Hey, fuckers. What's going on, my friends? Before we get to the sponsors, comedy date's coming up. July 10th, I'm at the MGM Casino, whatever you would call it, in Vegas uh, at the Ka Theater. MGM Grand Garden, or no, that's the arena, right? MGM Casino. The Ka Theater, which is where they do the Cirque du Soleil, with young Tony Hinchcliffe and Tom Segura. That's July 10th. And then July 24th, I am at the Chicago Theater. Fucking psyched for that. Um, the Moody Theater in Austin, Texas, on August 29th. And then in Vancouver, and then Calgary on September 8th. 18th and 19th. So 18th Vancouver, 19th Calgary, and then the last dates I got are August 2nd in Houston, Texas. First show sold out, put in a second show. And then August 6th, did I say August? Excuse me. October, October 2nd in Houston at the House of Blues. First show sold out. And then October 16th, um, in San Diego at the Balboa Theater. That's almost sold out, too. So get on it, bitches. This podcast is brought to you by many amazing sponsors. This one is Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club is the, the way to go if you shave. Uh, seriously, uh, cheaper than you're ever going to get from a regular store. Just as good, if not better, than any razor that exists in the market today. Great handles, disposable blades. They send them to you. Every month or whenever you want to schedule it, you get it. They have awesome shave cream. They have one wipe Charlie's. You know that stuff you take, those uh, wipes that you bring on the road if you want to keep your butthole clean? They, they, I love their razors. They, they engineer them to be, like I said, best razors you're ever going to get. They sm they're smooth as fuck. I like it's like a nice high quality handle that they have. They have different kinds, three great razors. They have uh, a two blade, what they call humble twin, the four blade four X, or the six blade executive. That's the one that I use. Uh, it's fucking great. It shaves the shit out of your face, smooth like a baby's bottom. Ooh! You get your first box in about a week. It includes a free handle and a sleeve of blade cartridges. High quality stuff. It's got like weight to it. Um, like expensive blades that you would, like, you'd have to pay a lot more than that. Because again, if you would normally get the same quality anywhere else, you'd have to pay retail and retail, like without having that, since Dollar Shave Club doesn't have that middleman thing going on, you just, you could save a lot of money. Great razors, great razors at a fraction of a price. So stop doing it the old fashioned way, you fucks. And go to dollarshaveclub.com forward slash Rogan. Dollarshaveclub.com forward slash Rogan. Talked to a lot of people that have uh, changed their, their blade buying habits because of Dollar Shave Club. And you would too, you fantastic fucking freaks. Go to dollarshaveclub.com forward slash Rogan. We're also brought to you by Zip Recruiter. ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter is a way where you can find qualified candidates for any job that you're trying to fill with one click. With one click, you can post to 100 plus job sites and instantly be matched to candidates from over 4 million resumes. Plus, watch brand new candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface within 24 hours. Super, super, super easy to do. You really can't go wrong with ZipRecruiter. I'm a big fan of it because I, I like anything that saves people time and, and energy. And that's one of the cool things about ZipRecruiter. You don't have to do as much 
work. Someone's figured out a solution. And that's been used by more than 400,000 businesses. Um, ZipRecruiter is your way to go if you're looking to find someone, some qualified people to fill any job that you're trying to fill. Go to ZipRecruiter.com right now and you can try it for free. You go to ZipRecruiter.com forward slash Rogan. That's ZipRecruiter.com forward slash Rogan. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com forward slash Rogan to try ZipRecruiter for free. We're also brought to you by Onnit.com. That's O-N-N-I-T. Each and every episode brought to you by Onnit. Onnit is a total human optimization website. What we aim to do with Onnit, what we're trying to achieve, is give you a one-stop shop for inspiration, for strength and conditioning equipment, for healthy foods and supplements, all things that are designed and or are proven to optimize various aspects of your life whether it's your your health and wellness, your physical conditioning, your your mind with things like new mood. And uh, we're going to get to that later because we're going to be talking to a guy that I actually got involved with uh, new mood when, when we sort of created it from talking to Neil Brennan and talking to him about his uh, positive experiences uh, with 5-HTP. But we sell all kinds of groovy shit, including kettlebells, uh, which are my favorite workout pieces of equipment, um, and the cool ones, the primal bells, the gorilla, um, which is uh, our, our original um, 60, well, we have three different sizes. We have uh, gorilla, which is 70 pounds. Um, they do it in poods. This is like a thing about these um, goddamn crazy Russians. They have a weird way of talking. Gorilla, which is 72 pounds, is too pooed. And it's the coolest looking fucking thing you'll ever see in your life. Uh, orangutan, which is 54 pounds. That's 1.5 pooed. A chimp, which is one pooed. That's 36 pounds. We got a howler monkey. And we got Bigfoot now. Oh, shit. Bigfoot's 2.5 pooed. It's 90 pounds. It's actually 92 on my scale. Maybe my scale's wrong. But point being, these, these kettlebells are not just good looking. They're really cool functional pieces of art they're 3d designed and mapped which means they're balanced which means they work the same way a regular kettlebell does which is all about using your momentum and using explosive energy and your whole body as one individual unit to build what they call functional strength um, if anybody's into anything like that if you're into any kind of working out with, with that requires weightlifting, i urge you to take it slow Learn how to do the movements correctly, and if you can afford it and there's one near you, hire someone to teach you how to do it with proper form. Uh, if there's no one near, there's plenty of videos online that can show you how to do it, but please start slowly. Don't hurt yourself. It's the, the worst thing you could ever do while you're trying to improve yourself is to break yourself. You'll feel like an asshole. Go to onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T. Use the code word ROGAN and save 10% off any and all supplements. All right. My guest today is Neil Brennan. Neil is the co-creator of The Chappelle Show, in my opinion, the greatest sketch comedy show the world has ever known. Um, he is a hilarious stand-up comedian. He has uh, a Comedy Central special that was out uh, just a recent, just recently. I forget what it's called. He has a podcast called The Champs that he does with our pal Moshe Kasher. And... Uh, He's just a fucking uh, all-around cool guy. And he's going to talk to us about some really interesting things that he's been going through. So without any further ado, please welcome my man, Mr. Neil Brennan. Joe Rogan Podcast, check it out. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night. 
all day. Oh shit, we're live. Neil Brennan in the middle <coughs> of t- tweeting. What are you doing? Huh? I'm using my Samsung Galaxy. Oh, S6 the Galaxy Edge S6. right S6. now. Oh, it's a beautiful phone. Hi, thanks. It's made your voice is so commercial. Thanks very you, much. You were on stage the other night in the belly room, and we were in the green room. We're like, his voice is so commercial. <laughs> like, it sounds like that goddamn commercial. I'll never be able to separate these two now. I know. I shouldn't say that commercial. I'll just say that series of commercials. How many of those fucking things have you done? I, You know what? I don't know. Probably 30. Jesus. I just do sessions, and then they do whatever they want. At least you do other shit, man. If you were just doing that and then you became the Verizon guy, you know? Uh, Can you hear me now? Like that guy? Uh, that guy's fucked. Yeah. He's fucked. The, the Dell. That... You're getting a Dell. Mm-hmm. Oh, that guy's fucked. Yeah. How about the girl? The insurance girl? It's always Flo. In a... Is that her name? Flo. Yeah, but they at least they keep making those. She is fucked once she's done, though. Yeah. But she's probably made a killing by this point. Hopefully. But is it worth it? <laughs> they they <laughs> will become price, that person. Flo? But that guy from that fucking commercial that always gets in the accidents and falls down and gets hurt, you know that uh, handsome gentleman? Yeah, he, they cast him in a lot of shit. He's in movies, too. Yeah. He's always in movies. He was in John Wick. He's been- uh, John Wick was good, right? Fuck yeah, it was right, good. I wa- I've heard it's good. I just haven't watched it. I mean, it's it's no like brilliant, like super creative, undeniable work of art, but it's fun as shit as far as like yeah. a really wild, crazy entertainment- it's just, bl- it's like crazy action sequences, oh, right? The craziest. Because like, the guy who directed it was a fight coordinator, apparently. Yeah. So he just had ideas for like the shit, the ideas he'd never given people, I think. Oh. And so he was like, eh. So he just saved it. He basically oh. sandbagged. He must have. Yeah, he sandbagged everyone he worked for and then and then unleashed it. Well, doesn't that work with like writers? Like you're a writer. Doesn't that work with writers sometimes? Like if you see like, if, like especially like writers that are writing for someone else, like a monologue or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're getting at. No, I mean, like, look, I don't, there's certain jokes that, like, if I'm writing for, like, rock or something, it's usually for, like, the BET Awards. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, I would have done that in my, I would have done that right. topical joke about Usher. <laughs> like, fucking, in my, it's like, eh. that's the thing about monologues, it's like, right. they're pretty disposable. But yeah, I know, I Every know now and then. people on SNL that sucked as writers. And they became cast members, and then all of a sudden they had a lot of good ideas. <laughs> they just stored them all like yeah. squirrels. Yeah, just like just totally sandbag people. Yeah, because comics are like inherently kind of self-obsessed, uh-huh. you know, and the idea of like writing selflessly for someone else and making them much better. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. The fact that we, that it's an accepted thing in comedy, that it's just the accepted cast system. That Rock is basically saying, like, hey, I'm funnier than you, and I'm hosting a show, so fucking give me jokes. Is and that you what just he's kind, He's kind of... Yeah, that's what the world's that. saying. I don't, I don't think it's that explicit. There is, at the same time, there's something flattering about the fact that, like, one of the best comics wants him to remember. It's like, great. Yeah. Um, but... There's also something about, like, you, come here, rub my back. <laughs> I gotta go, yeah, 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 other MMA fighter, come rub my back. You're not in this fight. I'm, I'm ranked higher than you, so come rub my back. And he's just like, okay. You get paid and it's fun see, and I all don't that stuff. I think of it that way at all. I think of it as, first of all, for Honestly, him, I don't either. I know you don't. It's very intelligent for him because it's a smart way to do it. And a lot of people don't do it that way. They don't bring in other people to help them. And their, their work can kind of suffer. Yeah. You know? Like, he's pretty smart in that way that he's like looking at objectively like there's other strong people around if i bring them in it'll make my already strong act even he doesn't stronger. do it for his act he'll do it for monologues. tv shows yeah. yeah monologues and uh and so it's not and the other thing with rock is 
it's generally you write stuff for him and send it to him so that he can be confident in his shit. Mm. So you're like, okay, my shit's better than this, like, <laughs> uh, which is fine. Well, you just need like a giant mound of shit to chop away at, and then you find like where the gems are. Yes. If you only have like a few. Like pretty decent ideas, and you're trying to build them up. That's way, yeah, way less effective than a, an enormous catalog of ideas. And you get to try 100%. to pick the best ones. Yeah, that's what Rock always says. Uh, he's like, I like, I I have comedy writers around the way. Rappers have gold chains. Like that's <laughs> all he spends his money on. You know what I mean? Like if he's gonna, he's not gonna have, he's not gonna buy a chain. He's like, I'll just have a writer write for fucking a movie with me or something. That's like. smart. Yeah. Well, that's why he's Chris Rock. He's got a, you know, his effective strategy for optimizing all of his shows and all of his sets and all you know he knows the fuck he's doing the thing that i was when you were saying about having other people come in and look i find that a lot of guys comedian wise when you get to the theater level um it's basically all your audiences are henpecked all of your audiences are predisposed to like you Mm -hmm. do you ever and what i found is a lot of people when they go to theaters their act either plateaus or gets worse. Do you find, do you ever specifically go to rooms where they don't know you're coming so yeah. you can get a better read on shit? Yeah, well, I do a lot of sets during the day, like regular sets at the improv or the store where they're there to see a, a mm-hmm. wide variety of people. I do yeah. a lot of those. I think those are important. I think sets at the store are important, period, because it's a fucking jaded group down there. It's I, beautiful it, and magical, but it's jaded. Yeah, it's the hardest yeah, the, room in the, world. the belly room. Yeah, you might as well be doing stand up for one person. I mean, hundred percent. People are right in front of you. The, pe- the, the worst part of a belly room is there's people to the right mm-hmm. that could just charge the stage. <laughs> <laughs> They're right there. They're fucking right they just there. Sprint at you. Yeah. Well, it's also they have. You know, it's great though. Like what we're all, all we're saying, you know, about the thing, like the worst part of it. But even the worst part about it is magic. Because that room is fucking magic, man. That belly room. If you get something to work in that belly room, what, we were talking about this last night, that there's the belly room and the ice house. And the ice house is maybe the best club ever. It's and, got the rep, and having done it, it's like the easiest club. Easiest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just set up perfect. Yeah. The ceiling is low. Everyone's stuffed in there. It's very contagious laughter. It's great acoustics. It's all wood everywhere. The laughter really yeah. reverberates. And it's got... Whatever the fuck, 50 years of comedy burned yep. into the walls. It's the oldest club in the country. I think it's older than 50 years old, isn't it? I think that, well, I think yeah, it's like, I think it is. I think it's like 55 years old or something yeah. like that, but it's, the, it's essentially the oldest comedy club on earth because the oldest clubs for comedy were in America. It's the oldest one in America. So it's the yeah. oldest, longest running club ever. So it's just a super rare place, but it's way easier than like the OR or especially the belly room. It's yeah. a different kind of. Louis was saying in an interview, like when he does, when he's in LA, he'll go, he'll do like an alternative show, then he'll do the improv or the Laugh Factory, and then he'll do the store. And it's like, if it works, he's like, everything will work at alternative room. Some stuff will work at the improv, and one thing will work at the store. <laughs> and the one thing that works at the store, he keeps. <laughs> That's smart. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but yeah. you need all of those because when I was just doing the store only, I think my act suffered a little bit. I think where does it go? Because that's the thing; it's hard it to. Mean. What is the psychographic of the store? You think they? Because I still couldn't tell you. 
having been working there six, seven years, I still couldn't tell you like the psychology of that kind of part of the of the average of the audience's collective unconscious kind of thing. Well, it, first of all, let me just say this: it's way better now. Mm-hmm. The second, mm-hmm. my second run at the store from 2007 on, I wasn't there. So I started up again December 14. Mm-hmm. It's way better. It's yeah. just better. It's yeah. a better club. The young guys coming up are better. There's a mm-hmm. better vibe. The audiences are better. Yeah. When I was there in the in the early 2000s, man, I was a war zone. I it mean, was all old. It was all old timers, right? I mean, it was all comments were old. But it was also the audience was just like monsters. There was a lot of monsters. Like rapey? Dumb, hackly, yeah. drunky, no crowd control at all. They have real crowd control now. Yeah. They'll, they'll kick people out if they're retarded. Yeah. They didn't used to do that. They'll kick people out if they say eight things. Yeah. <laughs> you have to say eight. <laughs> yeah, you have to say fucking eight. Any of these clubs like, no, we're good. Uh, it's fucking get them out. They're not yeah. going to. They, if, yeah. If they yeah. say more than one thing, get them out. They kicked a guy out at the ice house last night. Um, he started like... Early on, this one bit, he would kept yelling the same thing out while the bit was going on. And I figured, let me ignore him. And yeah. we got to the end of the bit, and he's still yelling out the thing. I'm like, I heard you, you fuck. And he's like, well, no, he's talking about the thing on your podcast. I go, we're not having a conversation. It's yeah. a fucking show. Yeah. And then he keeps going. I'm like, oh, fucking Christ. And then when the bouncers come over to take him away, he goes, are you serious? Like, <laughs> I was helping. What do you think? They just picked you? Yeah. They just randomly picked a guy and decided to fuck with him. That's what I said the other day to a woman who was yelling. I go, do you go to fucking Katy Perry concerts sit at the at the bottom of the stage and just sing along with her. Shut the fuck up! Like we, I don't need your help. They didn't book the show and go those four guys and then hopefully someone will come and heckle them. Yeah, but a Katy Perry concert, if you go and sit there and sing along with her, it's probably flattering. she can't hear you. Yeah, but if it, you're trying to if you're if you're at the foot of the stage doing it, it's probably the annoying. worst. Would be if you were saying don't sing that song. Yes, precisely. Don't you have another song? What's John your Mayer best song? was telling me the name drop. Uh, was saying that the biggest issue at his shows now, girls running to the foot of the stage, turning their back to him, and taking a selfie. Oh, no. Hunt, he said if, if he has security to, like, stop it. It's like, if I didn't stop it, there'd be hundreds of people every show. Wow. And it's hugely distracting because there's a thing yeah. darting at the thing you're looking at. Yeah. Well, don't you find it distracting when you look out into the crowd and you see, like, ten phones up? Taking yeah. photos of you, yeah, or taking a selfie, or taking yeah. a picture. Hey, here I am with Neil Brennan show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> killing it. Hashtag killing hey, it. <laughs> hashtag winning. Hashtag Tiger Blood. I mean, there's uh, so, so yeah. many, so many people who want to take pictures now. That Hannibal Burris did some weird thing at one of his shows, where they have uh, some new technology. It's like a pouch, and they give you this pouch. You close it, and when you're inside the club, the pouch doesn't open. Yeah, like, so you can't get to your phone. Yeah. So if your phone rings, if you feel like you must answer it, you have to leave the venue, and then the pouch will open. I guess it works on some sort of a, like a frequency, yeah. like if you're past a ba- like one of those electronic dog collars, you know yeah. those things. So it's something like that. And, and but man, the reaction to it was like fuck you. I was reading all the reaction, although oh, I, so I you actually it. okay? I tweeted it. Yeah. You know because I I saw the story. I'm like, hmm, this is kind of interesting. I wonder how people feel about this. Not that I would implement it. I just I feel like the Streisand effect is in effect, you know the Streisand effect, you know that what that no. is. 
Barbara Streisand, they found her house and they put her house online. Like they, you know, like someone took a photo of it and like, this is where Barbara Streisand's house is. And so she, you know, was offended. She made this big deal and she's like, fuck you, take my house down, this and that. And because she put so much effort into fighting the fact that her house was down, way more people knew yeah. about her house. 100%. And they all attacked and went yeah. after her. I think if you tell people you can't bring your cell phone to my show, then they start it's wearing all GoPros. It's think about. Yeah. They put a GoPro on, or they, yeah. you know, they, they'll film from a fucking one of those uh, glasses that has the lens yeah. in the center. Oh, I, have you it. had that at the show? No, I had a guy Google glasses. Uh, oh, at, Google at glasses. the Laugh Factory, and I go, dude, I can't fucking. Yeah, I don't know if you're taping. Right. So t- just you're just being a dick. Right. Because I, you know, I'm. It's all I can think about now. Is this fucking dude with a visor? Yeah. In my peripheral vision, and he might be. He could be fucking periscoping it now can you periscope from google glass i don't know I, I think google glass might even be dead do you periscope the show i do periscope things but no not the show how come you want to where i want to tweet about this by the way where should people go the show yeah i already tweeted it okay just go to mine and right, retweet it if you need to right. you're a bit addicted to uh that phone. no hold on you let me just put that fucker let me down. just get it over with because uh, I'm thinking about it. Just a taste, Joseph. Just a taste, No, 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 no. It's I got ironic. It. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. You're you're a commercial actor. I know. for a cell phone company, and you're addicked the to cell phones. Snake is interesting. Eating the, <clears throat> the, the, the tail, right, wrapping around you. Neil. <laughs> All right, Come retweeting. Deeper. Why aren't you periscoping, Neil? <laughs> All right, I'll set. <laughs> you pushed it away. Yeah. I love it. I love yes. it. It's out of range. Is it haunting you right now? That's Mm-mm. out of range? No. Mm-mm. Sometimes it haunts me. I put my phone over there. But what, what if there's something important <laughs> happening right now in the world of <clears throat> van to four-wheel drive conversions or oh, you, whatever the, the fuck thing I'm with the at. uh the cell phone thing? Someone was telling me when you go again another I don't this isn't my name drop. When you go to Drake's house when girls come over, mm-hmm. he makes everyone turn their cell phones in. Really? Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Cuz yeah. they're gonna want to take a picture. Of course. Um, yeah, and he's just like, no, you can't do it. So he makes him like put it in a bucket or something. I don't. Yeah, I don't know the, pr- the specifics of it, but it's a good move. Yeah, have a vault. Smart, <laughs> safe. Put your phone. Yeah. In the, is what is? Why is a table in the vault? That's where your phone goes. Yeah. What? <laughs> Everybody puts their phone on the table. You want to stay? You want to stay? Or go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no phones. No phones, baby. Um, yeah. But how are we gonna take selfie, Drake? But Drake. <laughs> <laughs> I got it, baby. I got it. Well, you have to have, if you're like one of those big time baller rapper characters and you're trying to keep everything on the DL or at least keep as much of your private life private as possible, yeah. you got to take like some serious precautionary steps. Yeah. I've heard of guys like having prenups or not prenups, but you know, non-disclosures. non-disclosures. Oh, yeah. Not ev- I mean, not everybody, but like that's a common thing. Like I've really? heard things where like you can't even be in the bedroom with the person until you've signed an NDA. Wow. Yeah. Well, if you're worried about a fake rape accusation, mm-hmm. that's the way to deal with it. Hundred percent. But then the girl could say, "Well, I was like thinking we we're going to make out, and as soon as I signed it, he just started raping me." Yeah. Yeah. And then it's yeah. like, "Well, yeah." But you said you wouldn't say. <laughs> but look here, honey, I'm in a tough spot because you said, "Yeah, you just." I think they assume like once I sign this, yeah, I'm not like all bets are off. But I think they just assume. I don't know, man. I would think that. Yeah, I guess if you're Michael Jordan, though. Yeah. What do you do? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what do you? You have to. 
Well, those guys, when you're worth as much money as a guy like Michael Jordan, you become not just a human being, but an opportunity. Yeah. Like a you're real, a multinational mm-hmm. corporation yeah. walking around, and a people are looking to do on. slip and fall accidents and charge you with it. Oh, absolutely. Completely. 100%. Right? You've got to think that that is... He's a target in that sense. Whereas if you're worth that kind of money, people look at you and they go, look, if I sue this motherfucker for $100 million. If things go badly, I get five. Yeah. I mean, he might give give me half a million dollars just to shut the fuck up. Yep. And then boom, you're out the door with a half a million bucks and, you know, nothing really even happened to you. And there's a bunch of people that do that over and over and over Mm -hmm. and over and over. Michael Jordan probably gets sued every day. Really? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Between the corporation and the just every like there's. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that fucked? Yeah. I was reading about this one guy who uh, was involved. I forget what the case, but um, it turned out that he uh, had sued like dozens and dozens of people for like he's a professional lawsuit Mm -hmm. litigator or or, or lawsuit uh, claimant, whatever the fuck it is. Some shit. And this guy just does that. He like goes from one to the next, tries to figure out how to make some money, and then sues this guy, and then sues that guy for fraud, and this guy for fraud. Like, you know, that's a creepy, creepy abuse. There's a music company like that that just will go after the slightest infraction. Really? And they, they, yeah, it's like they're, they're like, they're known in the music industry. They will sue you. It's like Commodore Music or some shit, and they'll just go after fucking. The slightest, it kind of sounds like this, the, and, and it holds people up, and people just settle. Well, every now and then when one does get through, like that song that was like... Blurred Lines, yeah. Yeah, Marvin Gaye. Yeah. I mean, that is exactly... Like, how the fuck did they not know that people are going to see that? I think there's so much copying in the music business that I think they were just like, yeah, it's just kind of like someone so sounds just like fucking that song. You know what I was listening to? There was a, I was listening to a podcast. I can't remember what it was the other day. But they were playing Bob Dylan songs that were stolen. That, that Dylan stole. What? Because he was doing all folk songs. So it was all sort of public domain. But he was taking other people's melodies and then making them, changing the lyrics. And those became hits for him. Really? Yeah, it was. It was blew my mind because you go Bob Dylan of all people. He's like the you know the poet laureate of the fucking the most 20th creative. century. Yeah, just no as shit. much as anybody else. Yeah, George How? Harrison got sued for um, two different songs. Was it my Lost guitar? Bo- was, was that one of them? Uh, it, they were both hits. One was like I'd like to teach the world to sing. I think he did a one that the, I think Coke did it before him. And then really? he did something that sounded like and lost that. I believe I could be wrong, but I like to buy the world a Coke. Yeah, that was um, before. I'd like to teach the world to sing. No, I. Uh, no, that's the same song. Oh, I'm I don't confused. know what George Harrison's was, but no. I know that he lost two lawsuits. But the Thin Lines one, after all the different lawsuits and all the different people that have been sued for stealing lines in in songs or, mm-hmm. or s- stealing melodies, you would think that they wouldn't think that they could pull that off. Yeah, I I was surprised they won. To be honest with you, really? Yeah, I was surprised they won because it's you can make a case it's different enough. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's let's, not let's the play same. It. Let's play it back. It's to not back. the same uh, tempo. Oh, okay. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we need to listen to it. I know they did another one. They tried to go after him for another Marvin Gaye song. Oh yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that, yeah. But that one's like much more shaky yeah. than this one. But, and Pharrell's a creative guy, so it's yeah. not like they're dealing with some hack. 
And he wrote the whole thing. Is it possible that Farrell's a little bit of a hack? Uh, look, anything's possible, Jeff. <laughs> Anything is. Anything. I mean, Almost. yeah, he's. A, I mean, yeah, he's. A, I'm sure everyone's a little bit of a hack, I guess. But like Bob Dylan's a little bit of a hack. Precisely. None <sighs> of us are safe. None of us are safe. If Bill Cosby's raping, <laughs> what chance do the rest of us have? Is that the biggest shock that you've ever heard in no, all the years of... No. no? You know why? Why? Because I met him 20 years ago, and he was a fucking dick. And when his show started, the sitcom, I was like, I don't like that guy. Really? I promise you. As a 10-year-old, I was like, I don't like that guy. Just a fucking egomaniac. I knew it from the... Mi- I mean, I'm rarely that right about something. Rarely do I not like someone, and they turn out to be like a serial rapist. But... <laughs> <laughs> Usually he was just kind of a dick, but to become a, I was like, yeah, that totally so makes sense. So before you ever made it, met him, you yeah. had this, you had, you'd made him, yes. you figured it out. Didn't like, did, never liked the sitcom. Thought I was crazy. Really? Yeah. When I went to college, NYU, there was an essay in some English lit book, saying explaining what the the formula for the show was, which was, um, the kids have an original idea. Uh, 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 an original design, an original idea, and then Bill Cosby spends the episode chopping them down. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, that's exactly what every episode was. Wow. And I hated it just as a kid. I'm like, fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> fuck him. Like, let him have a fucking, let let uh, Ruby or whatever, the Rudy, have a fucking, uh, let her get a pet. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, whatever she wanted. So you met him. Yeah. And what, how long after you saw the show did you meet him? I met him in 1993 at uh, the Arsenio Hall show, the original. Really? Yeah. And so this would, did we know each other then? Yeah. It was after I, I mean, we hadn't seen it, but it was like after I was a doorman. Right. Moved out here um, and went to, and f- met the woman who worked at the Arsenio and, and, and through Dave and whatever. So she was like, and whenever there's somebody cool on, she's like, come and meet someone. So, so met him and he was talking about slavery and he was like it was me him and two black dudes and he goes he he bill cosby goes and then the dutch man came and pointed at me and i was like i'm not dutch <laughs> but he was like you know close enough but the fact that he would point at me he goes like we're not you know i'm not what are the odds i'm fucking dutch and the fact that he just like pointed at me and was and he's a preterent like wildly smug guy wildly smug yeah huh um like you know smart guy but not as he's one of those guys who'll talk and then say in other words four times Mm -hmm. it's like no you're making the same point four different like i got it the first time right um to impress himself yeah Yeah. in my experience yeah yeah smug like really smug people like god damn it like what 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 are we doing here we're wrestling or we having a conversation like what are we doing well they're not you're not there. Yeah. You don't... It doesn't matter who they're talking to. You're just a warm... You're just like a... If they're the predator, you're just like fucking red. Mm. Like you're just a thing that they're talking at. Yeah. And... The heat just, signature. Yeah. You're you're a walking heat signature. <laughs> <laughs> so they just fucking... Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that to me was the only thing that made sense about this. It's like, how could someone drug somebody like that? And then I thought about it and I was like, I bet... If you have lived decade after decade of people just kissing your ass and everyone around you is like some weird form of a yes man, like you have a whole industry behind you. Like when he's on the show, like think about he has 
all the production assistants mm-hmm. and the producers and the executive producers and the cameramen and the sound guys and the makeup people and everyone is just yeah mr cosby and that's your existence and you get on stage in front of that crowd and you're making this show and for he's America. a fucking killer comedian mm-hmm. he's a fucking killer i don't like the guy and i'm right. saying he's he's a killer and do you think that you just develop this sort of like really distorted psychotic view of yourself in relationship to the rest of the world i don't think so because he's the first famous person that's i think he had the pathology before he was famous the idea that I, I've never heard of a famous person like, oh, yeah, so my shit now is mm-hmm. I got to the drug bitches and, and rape them when they're asleep level. <laughs> like, that's not a level. No. That's not like a known. So, right. so I think it was a thing that he had. I, in some ways, I, I don't feel bad for him, but what do you do? You know, every, any sexual desire you have, you're eventually going to do. You can quell it for a, four nights. So you're saying like if you have that, what do you do? Kind of creeper desire. Like there was a This American Life about a guy who was a pedophile. He was 19. He was a pedophile. Wanted to had sexual feelings for like 10 and 12 year old boys. Hadn't acted on it. And it's like, what do I do? Jesus Christ. What do you do? That's like when people go so and so like pro, uh, prostitutes, or whatever. It's like or uh, transvestite, whatever. It's like poor him. Like yeah. in some ways, it's like you're gonna your dick makes you do awful shit. So I believe he had that before, before he was famous or anything. Because I, I don't think if, it's yeah. I wonder if that part is that this was a more commonly accepted practice because he had a bit that he used to do about Spanish flies. Yeah, yeah. You know that bit. Yeah. I wonder if like people didn't think that it was that big of a deal or as big of a deal as they think of now. Like maybe people didn't think of hitting someone with a mickey that's what they used to right. call it. they had a cute yeah. little name for yeah. it whereas now it's like drug rape yeah you know uh yeah I, to me that spanish fly argument was a that just sounded like one of those remember back in the day bits like remember mm-hmm. speak and spell it's like one right. of those bits for this right. generation um but yeah i think it was way more like there was i was reading about the one of the girls who lived at hugh hefner's house and he offered her a quaalude and said back in the old days they used to call these leg openers Oh, or thigh God. openers. And it's just like, I believe it. Oh. <laughs> I believe that they used to call them thigh openers. Yeah, it's like, yeah, women, even 30 years ago, didn't have a lot of rights. Like, s- sexual harassment, I don't think the first sexual harassment suit was till, if I'm at the earliest, it was the late 70s. It's amazing how much things have changed and how quickly things have changed. We were reading yesterday on the podcast, was it yesterday, day before yesterday, this speech by Lincoln when mm-hmm. he was debating, like 1858, debating the rights of black people. Mm-hmm. And even Lincoln back then was saying that he didn't think that they should be allowed to serve on juries or vote or even intermarry with whites. Like, yeah. And it was like, whoa, like that's yeah. not that long ago, man. He thought that they were four-fifths of a person. <laughs> it's like, you're not, you're not, you're not three-fifths, but you're not five-fifths either. And, you know, the argument is, well, you, listen, you have to put it into context. Like, his time, during his time, this was revolutionary. Yeah, that was progressive. It was incredibly progressive. Yeah. That's not that long ago, man. No. It's not that's long ago fucking, at all. That's not even 200 years ago. What's cool is the period that we're living in now is you can get rights. I mean, this shit is like the gay rights movement and the trans rights. I mean, that, I've never seen a movement like this 
them get traction rights yeah. vote like the, the marriage thing's amazing yeah they're starting to get gay marriage all over the country it's yeah. like popping up pop pop yeah pop. it's it's a uh, because it was stupid anyway but well um, first of all let's be honest marriage is pretty fucking stupid retarded and this is coming from a married person yeah the idea of like you're gonna sign a contract yeah. someone based on romance yeah like you know i get it i get that you'd want it you'd want some sort of security but if you're gay and you can't even make people yeah. You can't even get pregnant, okay? Yeah. Unless you guys figure out how to. You, you have to get a surrogate, or you're talking about, you know, maybe friends that are also lesbians that want a kid, and like, I'll tell you, we'll have two kids. You give me one, and I'll like, what the? How I do you, yeah, you, how do you work it out? Trade, yeah. They're, they're going to be your kids. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but that it wasn't about that. It was about like you also couldn't visit your right. gay lover in the hospital. Exactly. You couldn't. You couldn't get insurance like, rights, yeah. all that stuff. No, look, it's. Even if you don't want to get married, it's it's equality. You know, you want to yeah. be able to. You want you don't want a fucking law that says you can't a man can't marry another man that he loves. Yeah. that's gross and stupid. And the fact that that was common until like really recently. Yeah, and the argument standard. being like, because it ain't right. It ain't well. That's not a fucking. Ar- it ain't right. It's not a legal argument. It's still being going on today. <laughs> These guys that are running for Republican office, there's, there's, it's still happening today. Yeah. You know, I mean, Rick Santorum was just talking about it recently. All these fucking dummies. What is that guy? Um, Ted Cruz. Yeah. That fucking dummy doesn't believe in it. They're all just going to lose. <laughs> it's like you fucking dumbasses. There's enough people that, that cling to that stupidity that are still on their side for now. They're like the last yeah. fucking Confederate flag holdouts. And is it, is there... Or is there not something in the Bible about it? Because I've heard two yeah, different arguments. Yeah, men are not supposed to lie down with men. That's an abomination. That's what it says. But says who? You're, you're dealing with b- multiple translations from, yeah, of a book, book that was bullshit. Years ago, yeah. Well, not only this, more than 2,000 years ago, the oldest versions of the Bible that we know of today are the Dead Sea Scrolls. And the Dead Sea Scrolls, the only Bible, the only version of the Bible that's in Aramaic. And when they try to translate it, like, the stories are similar but different. There's all sorts of wacky shit in the Dead Sea Scrolls that, like, isn't in any of the other books, any of the yeah. other religious texts. And then you get to the oldest version of the Bible. It's all in ancient Hebrew. Who the fuck speaks ancient Hebrew? you got to mm-hmm. translate that to Latin, and they translate that to Greek. And a lot of shit gets missing in the, in the process. When they wrote ancient Hebrew, too. Ancient Hebrew letters and numbers were interchangeable. Like, words had numerical yeah. value to them. Like, there was no number. So the letter A was also the number one. Yeah. So, it's so it like, could mean anything. Yeah, well, it's just such a different context. There's a, yeah. different, there's a different meaning to everything they were saying. Like the word God and the word love. They have the same numerical value. And numerical values are actually important in the, in the, when you're saying a sentence. You know how you say a sentence? There's tone. There's sarcasm. There's, you, you can see things yeah. in it. That's well, why texting is hard to. Exactly. Yeah. Are you mad at me? Like, yeah. no, man, we're fucking around. You know, you, people, sometimes people don't no, know. No, I'm mad at you. Yeah. Well, easy. But in, in ancient Hebrew, apparently, it's hard for us to put it into perspective and kind of understand the way they communicated. But when they wrote things down, there was inherent numerical quality to the sentences. They had like a, a sum. It was wor- the, the, like those sentence had numbers to it. And I don't think we're. There ever- are 50 arguments against why the Bible is real. Mm. And there's one pro argument, which is I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes me feel good. That's the only argument you can give. Well, the idea that God would write one book a long time ago, tell one dude, and then go off to manage. 
grasshopper populations and make sure hurricanes yeah. happen. Like, where have you been, yeah. man? How come you don't tell us again? Yeah. Don't yeah. you understand there's 30 different versions of this? Wouldn't you want to clear yeah. it up? Yeah, like, you're a dick at this point. Like, if you made a quote, like, if, you, if there was a controversial issue that came up, you know, and you made a quote, and then a bunch of people took that quote and butchered it and twisted it up 15 different ways to Sunday, and you were aware of it, wouldn't you want to correct that? Wouldn't you want to come back and go, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I didn't say I would, you yeah. have to eat babies <laughs> yeah. that are the color of orange. Yeah. That is not what I said. Like, you guys are, you guys fucked the whole thing up. Yeah. But not this God guy. Yeah. He's like, I told you. Yeah. I told you. Yeah. I told you once. I I'm told not, you I'm not, And I'm not going to tell you again. Yeah. But what are all these people that are lying about what you said? Psst, you got to figure out who's yeah. lying. It's not my fault. Not my problem. It's not my game, bro. Yeah. Not no, yeah. It's, uh, there's, do you, so you believe in a God? I don't not believe. I, I, you know, I think it would be super arrogant to say, I don't believe in God. I've seen so many things on psychedelic drugs that don't make any sense at all. And I'm like, how, why would I ever be so cocky as to think that I have the whole framework of the universe spelled out? It's purely speculation, even for scientists. Like, for scientists, and scientists are studying the, the very nature of matter itself, down to subatomic particles and quasars and supernovas and gas clouds and all these different things they're studying. At the end of the day... All they are really truly aware of is what they can perceive with their own senses in this existence. They don't know what happens when you die. They don't know if it's just a gateway to another new, completely different kind of experience. They don't know. And the idea that it's not, that it's just death and it's black and it's darkness. Well, where did you come from in the first place? Why are you even here? Why are you even here as a conscious entity? Like, why is the idea of you, you thinking about you, that is a real thing? Like, what purpose does it serve? And why is it, why does it exist? And is it possible that this whole thing is just a long process Sort of like a seed goes into the ground, water gets on that seed, this seed sprouts, pops through the ground, becomes a tree, the tree gives fruit, the fruit drops fruit, that fruit goes into the ground, becomes new trees, animals eat those trees. So we're nutrients for the next generation. We're a part of this weird, crazy ecosystem, and the ecosystem that is that has created a human being with all their creativity and self-awareness and all their ability to reflect and change and this crazy desire for innovation, like to have the newest, greatest shit, the biggest, coolest thing, the, the fastest thing, the smartest thing, the most advanced thing. We're constantly searching for this newer, better product. It would seem to me that all of that is a part of some almost inescapable process of change, change and improvement and change. It seems like the whole thing is always changing, right? Like a, a cloud forms or uh, rather uh, a planet forms out of clouds and dust and all kinds of shit and eventually turns into a planet, eventually acquires water, eventually has an atmosphere and then life comes out of it and that life spreads out into other planets and all of it seems to be this constant state of either improvement or death, improvement and death, improvement and death. And to, to say that it's not building towards something, it's like, how the fuck do you know? How do you know? I mean, we literally might be building towards heaven. And if human beings, with all of our interest in trans rights and gay rights and being progressive, I really contemplate this a lot. I think about this all day. I wonder if what we're doing by this movement that you see, it's like some of it's exaggerated and ridiculous, and some, some of the people that are involved in it are ultimately like really shitty people that have attached themselves to an interesting idea. But the trend seems to be inescapable. 
and the trend of technological innovation as well as a trend of social awareness. They might, if you extrapolate and you look at where they're going, like a thousand years from now, a hundred thousand years from now, it might reach a point of a really like a technologically created heaven. I mean, it is totally possible. A technologically created heaven yeah. created by human beings? It's created by whatever the fuck fuels a human being. I mean, we look at it as us, like human beings. We did it. But right. what, is, what, is the, what, the, what is a human being? I mean, there's a, a, a bunch of different instincts and a bunch of different desires that are sort of sewn into the existence of being a person. And they're inexorable. inexorable. You know, you have them if you're living in the jungle. You have them if you're living in the city. You have, I mean, people just have this weird, inescapable desire to do a bunch of core things. Well, maybe those core things are very important and key ingredients towards creating technology and towards creating awareness and connection of ideas and information from entity to entity until the, the entire thing thinks as one. So the entire thing thinks as one and has massive technological capabilities and literally can escape the very dimension that it's currently trapped in. The dimension that it thinks is all that there is. This is all that there is because I can knock on it with my knuckles and I can put it on a scale and I can run a tape measure by it and tell you exactly how long it is. So that's what is real. But that's not even what's real. That's what's real right now that you can experience. And we, we might be a part of one continual, never-ending cycle that ultimately leads to God. Yeah. Yeah, possible. That's the thing. I don't find Just it arrogant to say, you don't, to say I don't believe. Mm, I don't think so either. I don't think, well, I think it's arrogant to say you know there's no God. Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone knows there's no God. Yeah, but say I don't believe in God. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't believe in God either, but I don't not believe in God. Right. Is there a God? I don't know. Yeah. I've met some crazy shit in psychedelic trips. You know, I've, I've, I've Give had me some, a couple examples if you can. Well, um, things that knew everything that I've ever done, everything that I've ever said and who I was exactly down to the core. Things? What do things, you mean things? Things. Entities that like, can see right through you. Now, what are those entities? Are those entities this is like, in a trip or this yeah, is on a human, trip. This is like you just trip. see this, you meet this guy and he knows everything. Well, you're, you're not meeting a guy. You're meeting like a geometric person pattern right that is like you can't especially dmt trips you can't really isolate what something looks like because it only looks like that for the briefest of moments yeah and then it changes and looks like something else yeah. and it changes and as you think about what it is it alters mm -hmm. and it's almost like some bizarre lesson in perception and and your own definitions of the world around you that you are in some way by the way you interface with the world changing the very nature of the world itself and this is like some weird lesson that they try to teach you while you're while you're involved in these trips. It seems like they're trying to explain to you there's it's not just you have a bad attitude or not just anybody has a bad attitude. It's not that just that you go it's that you get tied up in the momentum of those bad attitudes mm -hmm. and the mistakes caused by those bad attitudes and the energy that's put out and the ripple effect of all that energy and how's it how it goes out into the rest of the population and how it comes back to you and you get trapped like a goddamn spider web. And explains it to you that literally the way that you interface with the world changes the world, changes your world, changes the people that are in your world, but also changes how those people interact with other people in the world. This is very freaky, fucking bizarre thing to have that be told to you by jesters, like giant, like jesters who have like multi-dimensional heads that's like spin yeah, around honey, and absolutely. they're giving you the finger. And yeah, but I would say that's just your own. It's just your own consciousness. It may manifested be. as a person. It may be. Or an entity or a wall or whatever. It's totally possible. We don't know what your own consciousness really means. Yeah. 
I mean, first of all, look, a human being is not an individual. Every human being is a host of a, an unnumberable, I mean, like literally an uncountable number of bugs. Like yeah. the, the amount of parasites and the amount of different bacteria. They say there's more E. coli in a person's body than there have ever been people ever. So think of that. Yeah. Just what? Just, just, just to stop and think about. And you need that. If that's not in your body, you're fucked. Some of you don't have think skin about bacteria. Shit like the fact that we even know what E. coli is. Like science yeah. is fucking like the last 70, 80 years. It's just like, what? Yeah. How, what, how did you even? <laughs> how the fuck did you get? What? I had Brian Cox on, the professor who's this br- brilliant guy who works at CERN. He works at mm-hmm. the uh, Large Hadron Collider, and he was trying to explain the, the, the you know, the searching for the hadron, you know, like, and searching for the um, the Higgs boson particle, and like, yeah. halfway into the conversation, you're like, where, what, how did you guys, how? when did you find this out? Who, did, what did you do? You know, we're just a couple hundred years away from a guy making fire with steel and flint. That's the only way they made fire. Clink, clink, yeah. clink. That's how they had to make yeah. fire. And yep. you guys have figured this out? Yeah. What the fuck, man? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, un, it's unbelievable. It's really hard to believe. Yeah. Very, very, very hard to wrap what your are head they, around. What are they going at with the Higgs boson, by the way? Like, what are they trying to, to figure? What to, will that lead to? Well, they're they trying to recreate, and they, they have, apparently, recreated the conditions milliseconds after the Big Bang and prove that there's this one particle that was theoretical up until recently, and they've measured it. They're, pre- they're like 99.0% yeah. percent sure that they've isolated this particle and measured it. But along the way, they've also, um, they've also identified a bunch of other shit that they weren't sure if it was real or, or created some things that, they, that were just theoretical. One is a stuff called Clark Quark Gluon, Quark Gluon Plasma, that's insanely heavy. Like, if you had a bowling ball full of this stuff, it would be heavier than the world. Yeah. Like, and they've figured out how to isolate that. And it's also the same sort of thing. It's something that exists, like, milliseconds after the Big Bang. It's like a part of the the very creation yeah. of the universe itself. So there, there won't necessarily be, like, and if this is true, then... Mm. Well, then we all get the floating skateboard. Did you see the floating skateboard yesterday? <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. Fucking unbelievable. <laughs> but What's funny that, is how Jim. long it took me to get used to it, though. I'm like, oh, good. There's a floating skateboard now. Like, and you just go back to your dumb life. Yeah. You're not like, oh, fuck. We got to get it. Like, you just go, oh, okay. Yeah. It, it'll be totally normal. Yeah. I mean, a car is fucking insane. If you didn't have a car and somebody gave you a car, is this it? Lexus has created yeah. a real rideable hoverboard. Okay, so here's a guy with a skateboard, and he gets off, and he steps on. It says, there is no such thing as impossible. And he's, this, it's smoking. I don't like the smoke. I think that's, a, that's an after effect, and I think it's stupid. Uh, I thought it's the best part of this ad. <laughs> but so it's, this guy it's is never going to smoke. It's just a matter of figuring out how. So he's going to stand on this now. Lexus hover. They're not showing you any more than that? No. That's the tease, you fucks. That's it? You got to see this new RX, though. This thing. What is it? I'm just kidding. I'm a big Um, fan of the Lexuses. Yeah. Japanese engineering. It's a little slightly different than the German engineering. All of it's pretty fucking badass, though. Did you have the 400? God damn. What's that? Did you have the the, the 400X, that one? The Lexus? Yeah. No, I have have a a SUV, the LX570. Oh, I had the RX 400. Sorry. Yeah, they're fucking amazing. It's like driving a living room. Yeah. It's huge. Smooth as fuck. Oh, yeah. It's so floaty. It just floats down the highway. Yeah. 
they make amazing automobiles. If you think about the fact that the automobile has only been around for a little over 100 years, too, yeah. and the amount of innovation that's ha- happened with that. Yeah. And that's when it's and that's even retarded by other industries. Like yeah. it should be further along. Well, I think with this Tesla shit, like this Elon Musk character mm-hmm. getting involved, that guy's making an SUV now that's going to be uh, all electric. He's making a two-door also. Mm-hmm. He's making a bunch of shit. But the fact the bigger thing that he did was he he like f- he basically gave up all his patents. He's yeah. like, "Here, just let's make it good. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. make this act an actual thing." Well, he's like a real live Tony Stark type character. Yeah. He's got that new thing for the wall, too, new battery, yeah, battery. system for for solar for houses. You, yeah. Yeah, cuz you can't get the thing that I didn't realize about solar is you can't get you can't get it at night unless you store it. Yeah, you and you can't it. it's really really hard to store. Well, most of the time you have these solar rooms like uh, there was a, a cabin uh, that a friend of mine has in Colorado, and she's got these uh, like solar batteries hooked up to the cabin, and you know it's like a room. You know, got to go in the, the battery room, see what's going on. And the batteries were dead; it was fucking up, yeah. and it was a real problem. The guy who was staying in the cabin was like, "What the fuck? You know, they have fucking lights. You know, this is stupid. We're camping here." Yeah, and just wasn't working correctly. But with this Elon Musk thing, Elon Musk's is very small. It's not that big. Yeah, it's like uh, half, about this like high a, and like half yeah, the table. like a small coffee table. Yeah. And you can put it on the wall. Can you put it on the wall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, really? That's what it's for, a power wall. Yeah, see how it's, got, it's up there? It mounts to the wall. Oh, that's cool. It's a home battery that charges using electricity generated from solar panels or when utility rates are low and powers your home in the evening. It also fortifies your home against power outages by providing a backup electricity supply. Pretty yeah, well, that's the, that's the, I have a Volt. I was going to get a Tesla, and I got the Chevy Volt because someone pointed out, what if there's a power outage? I yeah. was like, yep, that'll do it. Yeah. The Volt takes both, right? Is that the deal? No, the Volt, yeah, the Volt takes both. It can, yeah. it, I can go to gas. When the that, revolution comes, I can. That's a smart move right now. You got your feet in both worlds. I got a little bit of both, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> do you, when you put it up with gas, does it charge the battery? No, it basically you get forty miles of electric, just pure electric. Yeah, and that's then once stupid. you that's pretty stupid. I'm gonna be honest. Why? What do you mean? Not enough. The average person drives thirty six miles a day. But what about those extra four miles that you go to get a sandwich? Gas, and then bro. Just switch over. Dies. To use a drip of gas. No it doesn't die. Gas. It doesn't... No more gas. It's out. Oh, you're talking about you have... when the revolution comes? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. You Are better you... have a power wall. You got to have one of them Elon Musk. Yeah, but even then, it's probably. Although no, if you have the solar, well, solar is only going to work as long as the fucking weather stays exactly the same. If you have solar and you live in a place like Columbus, Ohio, in the winter, good luck, fuckface. Yeah, you're not going to get much power unless they develop some sort of new shit. But if your skies are gray, like where I grew up in Boston, the winter is all gray. It's everything's yeah. gray. You're not going to match, but maybe those new ones actually. Can I feel work. like they're better. They got to be getting better with like overcast shit. But it's not like being out in the desert. It's not no. like Palm Springs or no. some shit like that where you could just power the yeah. whole world from it. Yeah. Hopefully that'll happen in the next 15, 20 years. What's well, amazing when you look at LA, I mean, the one resource that we have in abundance is sunshine. I mean, that is the and power do resource. Virtually nothing with it. <laughs> Very little. Yeah. Because we don't have to. And yeah. Because the DWP has a fucking monopoly. Are you worried a- about the water? Yes. Yeah, me too. How could you not be? Yeah. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, we're not going to have much water. Yeah. That's going to happen. 
So like you think that that's a new normal thing now? Mm-hmm. Like what? I think it's like essentially we're uh, we're a giant desert city. And they're going to we're try actually to... admitting what we're like now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're a desert city that had intermittent rainfall, intermittent rainfall. But the reason why L.A. was created in the first place as a Hollywood, as a movie production place was because it was so consistent with its weather. Yeah. That's the whole. Yeah. I mean, that means you're living in a place that sucks. I mean, it's great for the sun, but it's yeah. it's not good for life. Well, but, yeah, we're not supposed to be here. Yeah, it's not it's not inhabitable unless you do a lot of shit. Unless you like, we're gonna reroute the Colorado. <laughs> it's like, dude, maybe we just just stay near the Colorado River. Well, what's interesting is with climate change. One of the things I'm keeping an eye on is what happens to Seattle's weather. Because I have a buddy who just moved up to Seattle. I have a theory about that. Yeah. And he fucking said this winter was amazing. He was like, dude, it barely rained. It wasn't that cloudy. It was wonderful. And he was coming from Brooklyn. I think Seattle, Portland and Seattle become LA. Mm-hmm. And Vancouver becomes San Francisco. Dude, I like the way you think. Yeah. I think that's in like 50 <laughs> years. It's, you're probably dead right. You're probably dead right. I'm a big fan I've of Seattle. I've thought about as getting property in, in Vancouver a bunch. Whoa. You've really like, committed to this. I've really, I'm really done the research. Very, very expensive real estate in Vancouver. Yes, but a lot of beautiful Asian girls. As well. Oh shit! Someone is thinking <laughs> oh, ahead. Shit. Someone did He's a recon. Ahead. Uh, uh, well, they're great Canadians. First of all, Canadian girls—they're just—they're just they're reasonable. Chiller. Yeah, they're more yeah. chill. They're fun. Yeah. They're more fun. Yeah, they're you know? less. Uh, I find they've been less uh, jaded. They're less. I don't know. The hottest girls, I have a better chance with hot Asian, uh, hot Canadian girls than I do with hot American girls. Hmm. Like the hottest girls I've dated generally were Canadian. Really? Yeah. You think they're less worried about looks? I think they're just worried about, I think they're just more, they actually like care if you're nice and cool and shit Mm. and decent. Well, their whole cultures are so different because they didn't come from this marauding take over the world sort of uh, mentality that the the United States has. Yeah. You know, the United States has this leader of the world, yeah. go fuck yourself, America, yeah. land of the free, yeah. Toby Keith. You know, yeah. they don't they don't have that up in Canada. They yeah. don't have any of that. I a lot of times I think like the military industrial complex is just because we have the bombs. It's like, well we got the bombs. Mm-hmm. It's like we got the avocados. We gotta make some fucking guacamole, man. <laughs> like we fucking paid for the bombs. Let's fucking use these things. We'll talk about a cycle. That's the big cycle. It's like you can't not extract that money. The people that are making bombs and the people that are involved in the military, they can't not do that. If they stop yeah, wait, they're not gonna stop. It's too much money. Yeah. They're not gonna stop asking. We just have to stop giving it to them. What do you make of the thing of like, well, the thing of like lost jobs? Because that, that, that's a non-argument to me. Lost jobs from the military industrial complex? Yeah, like when hey, we, we take ain't. that away, we're going to, man, I got 8,000 people in my district and all that shit. It's like, well, fucking have them do something else. The same thing with coal. They say that about coal industry. They say it about- Horseshoes. Um, yeah, basically. Yeah, precisely. It's yeah. like, well- What about yeah. the blacksmiths? Yeah. You're putting a lot of blacksmiths out of yeah. business. You're fancy fucking- <laughs> Yeah. Fancy Sing wagon. The car. Well, that's the other thing is when computers and robots take over, there will be blue collar people breaking into factories to beat up the robots. (laughs) Probably. They really will. They'll go in with sledgehammers and they'll start, which I believe is the, uh, is the definition of a, uh, what the, a Luddite is are people that were so anti 
yes. robot that they beat them up. They beat machines up, right? Yeah. Wasn't that that really was? <laughs> it is so fucking funny. Yeah, wasn't that during the but industrial? But they're not wrong. Yeah, they're not wrong. Yeah, that that was like during the industrial age, right? Look at this. Member of any bands of English workers who destroyed machinery, especially in cotton and woolen mills, as they believe was threatening their jobs in 1811 to 1816. That will be, that will be a, I believe that will be a huge thing. Yeah. It's like, but Stanhope's, you ever hear Stanhope's bit about like, shouldn't, where they're like, oh, it's only uh, 5% unemployment. It's like, shouldn't we be going for 100% unemployment? Like, don't we all just not want to work? Like, why are we... (laughs) going toward this fucking dumb work thing right. when we could just why don't we all figure it out so we none of us have to work because people have associated working with making money and making money with staying alive and the only way you can contribute is if you work and the only way you can get money to stay alive is if you work. And this the one thing that everybody's worried about right everybody's worried about not being able to pay their bills and starving to death yeah. and having their children go hungry and like yeah. fuck what if we what if we live like the places that we know exist all over the world this place is all over the world where children go hungry. Well, there's also that Protestant work ethic thing where it's like it's next to godliness. It becomes one to God smiled. You know what I mean? Like when the man worked, like that's a huge tenant. Well, don't you think that that's one of those those tenants that those existed because they were people backwards. were trying to st- instill this idea yes. of yeah. you have to stay alive. And so it's good to, to work hard. It's Nobody wants to fucking farm and plow the fields. But if you don't do it, we're all going to fucking starve. Yeah. So let's make it a religious ethic. Let's yeah. make it a super important thing that God really likes. And when you plow, God loves it when you plant seeds. Sow the seed. Go do it. Yeah. God loves it. Is it even possible to have, would that be possible to have a 100% unemployment? Meaning, no. like, could society, society's based on bartering and trading and... Yeah, and there's also work that people like to do. What about that? What if you're a dentist and you enjoy doing dentistry? You, you, do you want 100% unemployment? But like, wait right. a minute, I have all these clients. I yeah. enjoy fixing their teeth. What's the fucking Robots, problem? bro. I went to school for it. I'm fascinated They got robots, mouth. though. <gasps> but, you didn't go to school. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, you didn't go to school. You okay, didn't have to do any of that. What about people that are like car enthusiasts that fix cars? What about people that make clothes, that are really into designing clothes? Yeah, you, I think you still do it. But I, the idea that you have to do it to survive, I think it's just an interest. I don't disagree with them. Hmm. Like that you'd want someone in this robots, someone would have to make the robots. Right. That's work, right? But yeah, at, at some point, someone's going to have to work in the robots. Even if there's robots making robots... Someone has to service the super robot, you know what mm, I mean? Like, so yeah. someone's going to have to work, and then that guy is going to want shit for the work he did, yeah. and then it just becomes a bartering society. It doesn't seem like it's ever possible to go to 100%, but you might be able to get down to like 10% plus robots. Yeah. If you get down to 10% working, 90% That's unemployed. That's an awesome sentence, by the way, blank, blank, plus robots. Yeah. Because once you got robots in the mix, everything changes. Yeah. You don't need a whole lot of people to run the robot, because you get robots that fix robots. You know, yeah. and then the robots that fix the robots that fix the robots. Who watches the watch? Who watches the watch? That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Who robots the robots? <laughs> I mean, you would have to make sure that also that the people that did do all the work were they, that you kept a steady supply of them and kept them educated. Because if you didn't, and then we ran out of people that knew how to fix the robots, and then we're just scrambling. Like we have to relearn how to fix robots. I we have couldn't. Re- there was a book. Uh, I think it was uh, White Noise, Don DeLillo, but it talked about, like, I couldn't fucking fix a clock. I couldn't fix I couldn't fix the light. I couldn't fix any of it. If something, like, if I was the last guy, like, I couldn't fix shit. 
Yeah. Yeah. At all. Well, you know, I had a whole bit about that, about dumb people like not realizing they're dumb because they buy a lot of smart things that other people figured out. Mm -hmm. And then one day the power goes out. And like, what do you do when the power goes out? Well, what I usually do is I sit around and yeah. I wait. Yeah. I figure someone's fixing that shit. Yeah. And then that person's, but that person's dead and no one would know. What happened to him? Yeah. And then yeah. the, the idea of the joke was if I left you alone, <clears throat> alone in the woods with a hatchet, how long before you could send me an email? Like, uh. how long would it take? Nobody knows how to make a fucking computer. Nobody knows how to build an engine. Who the fuck knows how to forge metal? Yeah. Pull it, pull it out of the ground and turn it into a cast I couldn't iron start block. a fire. You know what I mean? I, I couldn't. I mean, I it would literally, if I started a fire, it would be based on shit I saw on Survivor. Mm -hmm. I yeah. swear to God. I think I could start a fire if I had the right stuff. But you have to make sure you have the right stuff. And it wouldn't be easy. It's not easy at all. Like, you'd have to have rope and a stick and another yeah. stick. And then you yeah, have to have it's like, like that yeah. sort of thing that the they bow. do. Yeah. yeah, it becomes a bow. And then, like, it's I don't know when to, like, oh, go over to the mm. thing, to the Well, you know what they do? There's a guy on, on um, there's a show called Life Below Zero, and this fucking dude doesn't bring matches with him because he doesn't want to rely on matches. Because what if I, he's like, what if I run out of matches? Yeah. What if I rely on a lighter? So he has this mouthpiece that he puts in, and then he has a stick. Put, see if you, there's a video of it. His name is Glenn. Pull up Glenn from Life Below Zero Makes a Fire on YouTube. And he puts this bit, he has this piece in his mouth, and the piece, like, clamps down on the top of the stick so that he could use the bow with two hands and really get a lot of friction. Mm -hmm. So he has the bow that's wrapped around, the string of the bow is wrapped around the stick, and he's going right to left, right to left, right yeah. to left, right to left. And as, as it spins, the friction starts, you see little smoke, yeah. and he's pushing, like, dry tinder in yeah. there and then he gets like a little ball of fire and then he builds it up but how long well, if you see it do you know if we don't time. see it it doesn't no it doesn't make too much time you gotta carry sure thing around in your online. mouth it sure it has to be online if it's not online they should be fired here we go here he goes so this guy this is how he does it all the time give it some some volume so we, see I don't use the headlamp because what happens if I run out of headlamps it's true well he's filming put this mouthpiece in it's made out of caribou antler this guy's support it. living so gangster up there. So he holds his caribou antler piece in his mouth. Then he wraps a string around this fucker. Watch how he does this. This is pretty wild. So he's pulling right, left, right, left, right, left, left. And watch how quick it works. Wow. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. It's incredible. And he has this fire starting thing. And he reuses it over and over again, because the more he does it... His teeth are ruined, we should point out. Yeah, his teeth are fucked. Biting on caribou antlers, bitch. What you trying to do? And so then he reuses that, the little thin plate of wood that he has underneath it. Reuses that over and over again, so it's sort of black and charred, which makes it a little bit more flammable. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. This is how this motherfucker makes a fire. And you saw how quick it was. Yeah, but Joe, can he write a joke? Nope. <laughs> He's not perfect. He's yeah. not. He's not the Ubermensch. Have him. Uh, have him write a sketch. Nope. See Can't how it is. It. Look at you. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Well, you think you could do that? Hey, yeah. strongest man. Do a do a fucking strong seven, bro. Yeah. How about you write for Chris Rock, strongest <laughs> man? Yeah. You fucking oh, piece. You fucking jamook. Oh, great. You could pick up a big stone ball. You fucking dunce. <laughs> you know what else can do that? A tractor. Yeah. You're a human tractor, fuckface. Yeah. With basically. no jokes. Yeah. Go piece do a tight garbage. seven. Do Duke. a tight seven. <laughs> Come warm the crowd you. up. <laughs> yeah, you're warm the crowd up for at midnight. Oh. <laughs>
Do Brody's job. Enjoy it. Eight one. He 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 yelled out eight one eight till I die last night on stage, and the fucking place broke out into applause. So fucking funny. <laughs> He was at the Ice House last night. He was hilarious. Yeah, he's very funny. But yelling out, 818 till I die. Yeah. And the place just went, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's great. They know. They know what to expect from Brody Stevens. I like that he's like carved out a little thing for himself. People have like really like Kimmel, those kind of guys, like people who really appreciate Brody. Have made a big uh, Zach Alphanakis too. Yeah, big big fan. Made a big deal about him. It's it's really it's nice to see him getting. He still doesn't get the attention that he deserves. I want to do something um, where we do it in conjunction with the comedy store, and uh, we film Brody's late night sets. Just film a gang of them and then mm. find the gem, find the, yeah. the one gem, and take that and turn it into a comedy special. Yeah, because that's some, easy to do. Yeah, because some of those shows that he does, those late night shows, they're just. Fucking magical, man. They're just magical shows. Like, very inspired. Yeah, just nuts. Off the fucking charts, weird. Yep. You know, the the narratives that he creates in the audience with the various people that he's fucking around with. Yeah. All completely ad lib, as opposed to those fake ad lib guys. Mm-hmm. You know those fake ad lib guys. Like I'm, I know they exist. I haven't caught anyone. Oh, it's the worst. Do you worst. know what I mean? Are there some that we know? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot. Not that much anymore because people are getting hip to it. Yeah. But there used to be a bunch of guys who every night would pretend. Look at this guy. He's thinking, hmm. Oh, and she's yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah, hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's like, well, and she's yeah. like, hmm. But yeah. they say the same thing every night. And everybody's like, yeah. oh, my God, so brilliant. Yeah. But it's really an act. Mm-hmm. It's like an act that pretends to be an ad-libbed act. Yeah. I would agree with that. Those motherfuckers. Those motherfuckers. God making, damn it, Neil How Brown. dare they make 61 grand a year? How dare they? If they're lucky. Yeah. So tell me about this fucking thing that you okay. just did. All right. For anybody who doesn't know what ketamine is, I will tell them. Tell I will them tell them the, the whole, whole narrative. Whole, the whole Last deal. time I was, one of the times I was here, we talked about five HTP. Yeah. Um, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Two, that got three me into ago. it, and that's how when we started creating new mood. Yeah. So I'd taken five HTP. I basically had depression most of my adult life, probably my whole life, and. uh and when you define depression, like right now, I'm talking to you, we're hanging out, we're having fun, we're laughing, yeah. everything I'm seems cool. I'm pleased right now. You're great. Yeah. When does it slip in? It, it, here's the thing. It's not, I, it was never suicidal. It was never, it was just like kind of a, like the best I could feel. What I could feel was adrenaline and ego. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it was never like joy, happiness, sort of, you know, like the more... Um, fuzzy or stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just couldn't feel it. Just didn't happen. No joy, no happiness. Not really. Again, not, but not miserable. Okay, but let me ask you this: while this is going on, and great things would happen. To yeah, you. like you had some great things happening. First of all, yes. you were the co-creator of the Chappelle Show, which yes. is, in my opinion, the greatest sketch comedy the world's ever known. Yeah. So that was a great thing. Yes. During that time, was there joy? Uh, there was ego. Ego. And there was adrenaline. But there was never, it never felt like, my brain would like talk me out of it. It would talk me out of why I should be, why I should enjoy it, if that makes sense. Like, huh. it would talk me out of it, just like, well, yeah, but you, you're, you got a partner, you got to do something. 
So, okay, so your brain would tell you, well, you know, you're doing well, but let's be honest, you're doing it because of Dave Chappelle, mm-hmm. and you know, even though your writing yeah. is really great, would it be so great if yeah. Skippy from Family Ties was the star of the show? The show would still. Bomb. I would say yes. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, hundred percent. No disrespect to Skippy. Yeah. Um, so that would. I. That's when I knew I needed to go on antidepressants. Is I had sold a script in like 1999, and I was. Um, on the phone with an agent who was saying that two studios were bidding for it, and I was driving up La Brea crying <laughs> <laughs> on the phone with the guy, and tears were running down my face. I'm like, "This isn't right." Wow. Yeah. So you were crying because you still felt like shit. Yeah, I, just, I felt like shit. Uh, yeah, I just felt like shit. I, and part of the shit was like, I can't even fucking enjoy this. Right. You know what I mean? Like, just like I wish I could feel this shit. Right. So your tears were like tears of like god damn it how come i can't even mm-hmm. feel this like why even do this shit right if you're not and that's what i would get out of his ego wow. and like like adrenaline from being in a cool situation or doing something cool or whatever even killing on stage like i for example people when i know certain people get off stage when for instance chris rock to bring him up again when he gets off stage he is the nicest he's so fucking gacked off of the crowd he's so just like high on adrenaline and like just good feeling and basically like like uh um like just good like uh fucking chemicals that are escaping me but like serotonin shit like that he's dopamine. just it's yeah dopamine serotonin he's just fucking flying right i would never feel like that, that. i feel like oh i just fucking murdered but i would never be like cuz i'm you know, there was no I wouldn't enjoy it. Enjoy it. I wouldn't enjoy it. I wouldn't not enjoy it. But it was like, flat. It was flat. It was like I might not. I might as well have not done that. But it didn't. Me and Dove one time talked about about getting off stage. Sometimes you just want to take the mic and throw it down because it's like, well, fucking that didn't even help. Um, mm. So, so, so I've taken antidepressants for since I was crying on the press in 1999. So. Uh, so I took them, for, and I took Zoloft at first, worked great, really worked well. And I remember telling uh, Chappelle, I think, I said, I go, I now know why people dance. Like, that was how I knew, like, oh, this works. Because I understand the feeling that m- would make people want to dance. Or just like wow. that sort of collective um, joie de vivre, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. So... So did that, took Zola, probably worked for 10 years, nine, 10 years, you know, with varying effect. But after a while, it just stopped working. Now, when it stopped working, when I, and, or when I would try to go off it, my, I would get like a tension in my, um, uh, fucking temple that literally couldn't like a knot in my temple. Like if it needed to get massaged, it would just form. And that's how I knew, like, oh, I'm fucking depressed again. Because like, it would just form. Um, and what, what was, when you said it wasn't working, so what was the shift? It started working in the beginning, it was great. Yeah. And then... There is a term for it, and I always forget it, but it's like, the, it just stopped. It's like it, efficacy, long-term efficacy just tapers um, decreases, off. yeah. Hmm. And that's specific to Zoloft? No, or? it's all of them. All of them. It can be all of them. Hmm. Um, so... Then I switched to a, I've, and then probably the last four or five years, I've switched a bunch 
because all the ones I tried had some side effect. Uh, what is the feeling, though, that you have on them? Is it like a feeling of you have like more energy? Do you, you have, have a little more, more energy, for sure. You have more, you have like more generosity of spirit, if that makes sense. Like, hmm. just like you want, you're less of like a hater hmm. uh, because you're not, you don't feel so depleted yourself that you can actually be like oh that's good man that's fun that's awesome what's well, hard for people to be happy for other people if they're not happy about yeah 100 it's very hard because no one's like, mean because they're in a good mood yeah you know you what i mean like, like other people don't deserve happiness you can't yeah. get it yeah why are they why the it? fuck do you get it yeah um so that's like any troll it's like you just see it's because you're unhappy man it's right. all right uh like i get it just don't take my success isn't your failure right but that's how it feels because you can't do it mm. you can't even get not can not only can you not do stand or whatever the thing they're mad at you for they can't even feel what they imagine you feel from doing it right uh so so i tried a bunch the last four or five years they would work but there always be some side effect nausea mm-hmm. uh one i was like gaining weight and i wasn't eating and i was gaining weight Whoa. um yeah it was so weird um uh shit like that and then the, the last one was um nausea and my dick was in a coma. Whoa. Like, literally, I took uh, uh, fucking pro, uh, the, the boner drug. and um, Viagra? Yeah. Didn't work. What? Yeah. Didn't That's work. how fucking, like, dead it was. <laughs> like, literally, it's like, like put the fucking charges, put the fucking... Clear. Clear. Back, nothing. Wow. Yeah. So um, you had to get off that immediately. Yeah. Well, the yeah. What's was, more important, happiness or boners? Well, what was interesting is it was it was it was interesting for the month the few months that I had it to not have to worry about boners. Boners or pursuing girls or fucking te- texting and right and and tindering and all that shit. Just like oh, I don't give a shit. Wow, nothing. Now when they you- seem like nice people. <laughs> <laughs> now what does it do? Does it does it somehow or another deplete your testosterone? Does it? Fuck I don't with know your... why that. The thing about antidepressants is they don't know why they work. They know that they work. They have theories about why they work. Like the, I was on a class of uh, antidepressants called SSRIs, which are short for uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which means it's basically a double negative uh, reuptake inhibitor. It's basically when you when the when the serotonin goes out usually it gets collected quickly but if you take this drug it leaves the serotonin out in your brain longer i believe serot reuptake inhibitor yeah so it gets it inhibits reuptake so it like hey stay out hey run around a little bit you know what i mean serotonin so if you take that's if you take the drug i think if i if i didn't take the drug it would be uh I don't know. I guess it would, my brain would collect it super quick. I'm of the mind that I don't have enough serotonin to begin with. Like, mm-hmm. I just have, I feel like I have a serotonin deficiency naturally, but whatever. So, uh, so I'm, so my dick was like in a coma and I was throwing up like pretty regularly. Like, like how often? Like three days a week. Wow. I'd just be driving and go like, oh, I'm going to throw up and throw up and then be fine. So, Essentially, with these drugs, you're trying to somehow or another re-engineer your your neurochemical makeup. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you're trying to help it, basically. Right. I don't think you can re-engineer it. 
I'll get to the reengineering. Right. But I don't. I think with the drugs, you just go like, it's basically a band aid. It's basically just like, hey, reroute, hey, go over there. It's never like your your fucking synapses are in different places. You know what I mean? It's like, but it's amazing that they're doing this and they're not exactly sure, as you say, how they work. Yeah. Yeah, like, they what? don't. They really what don't. The they have theories. Obviously, they know that SSRIs, re, uh, they selectively, you know, re-upped, uh, mm-hmm. whatever, fucking, but they don't know exactly, they don't even know if if it's in your brain or if it's in your stomach. There's a new thing, there was an article in The Atlantic two days ago that's saying a lot of, first of all, you're all of like, all those chemicals we talked about, like serotonin and all that stuff, it's mostly in your stomach, um, which people don't know. Um, so they are basically saying like they're, they're, they're going, they're looking in people's feces and they think that the amount of chemicals or, or combinations you have in your stomach can affect mood. Wow. Yeah. Well, that, that's what the concept behind probiotics affecting yes. your mood are. hundred percent. By well, that- the way, I, I was getting a bunch of colds and I started taking probiotics and I haven't gotten one. Dude, I harm, I almost never get sick. Yeah. I drink kombucha every day. Yeah. I have uh, that GT's kombucha, the kind that you have to have an ID to show. Is that it true? Has, it has How more come? than one half of 1% of alcohol. Okay. That's all it is. A tiny, tiny, oh, tiny. Right, right, right. You'd have to drink like 30 of them to catch yeah. the buzz you'd get from one beer. But it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's a stupid law. But the probiotic effect of uh, it's fer- the fermentation of this live culture is it's causing the alcohol. Yeah. But it's so good for you, man. Yeah. It's been like crazy. Changed my life. Yeah. Like traveling used to make me sick. I was always getting sick. I don't get sick anymore. Yeah. If I do get sick, it's very quick. It's yeah. in and out. It's a quick turnaround. Yeah. I would highly recommend it. Yeah. Because if you're traveling all the time on a, as a comic on the road, like your immune system takes a fucking beat. Even in first class, Joe? It does. <laughs> Yes, yeah. even in first class. I rode coach the other day for the first time in a long time. <laughs> People were touching me as I was sitting there. I was like, why are you touching me? Your leg is touching my leg. You, know, you get It's actually something comforting about that. Everybody's just touching each other. You're sitting there and you're, you know that your arm's going to touch the guy next to you and everybody yeah. just accepts it's like it. like we're all, this is the world we're living in Isn't that for the okay? next couple hours. I mean, why is that bad? As but, long as everyone's arm is touching everyone's mm-hmm. health, yeah. I'm cool. And as long as no one gets greedy with the, as long as everyone's like friendly with the space, you know, you don't, yeah. you don't man spread and bop into the other guy's side yeah. and, you know, but also hygiene. That's a big one. It's huge. Because if you're touching people and they stink, yeah, that's fucking brutal. And I've, I've had that. How long was the flight? Uh, well, it was two flights. What happened was I'm to Vegas or something. No, it was to Canada. I fucked up and I, <laughs> it's so stupid. I just don't remove, um, my flight takes off. It took off at a certain time. And uh, I had it written, the time I was supposed to get up, uh, I had reversed. So instead of uh, thinking that uh, I was supposed to get up at 9 o'clock, um, the, flight the, the flight was at 9 o'clock. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I thought the flight was like, like 11. And I got there at I 9. Gotta I got to think, like, in the future, dumbass. I think you should just go based on what time the flight leaves. I always Don't do. leave it up to the airline what time you should wake up. <laughs> well, it was just such a boneheaded move. I just had too many different things going on, and I, I wrote it down somewhere. Yeah. Like, and it just incorrectly wrote it down. Yeah. 
But uh, anyway, point being, I had to switch the flights, blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking, like, it's kind of like the only time where people ever touch people that they don't know, except jujitsu class, maybe, <laughs> you know? And then you're trying to kill each other. Yeah, but mass some, transit. Yeah, mass, mass transit, especially, like, you see Tokyo, Tokyo rather, where yeah. they push people in. Yeah. They I literally have guys whose jobs are to shove people yeah. deeper and deeper into those boxes. Yeah. Um, they're made, they make six figures doing that. And um, I think people get depressed. Some people get depressed from a lack of human contact. Absolutely. I'll That's get to that one, in a second. Right? Um, so, okay. So I was just like taking like the last one. I was like, I'm so sick of fucking taking. Cause the thing with antidepressant pills is that you don't, it's a complete guessing game. What's going to work for you. Cause the one I was taking that was making my dick fall asleep and make me throw up was supposed to have the lowest uh, side effect profile of all of them. Yeah. But I've had ones that had more, they were supposed to do worse shit and they didn't. So, so I was like, I'm so sick of this. So I just started looking up other shit to do. Um, and the, the big one that I, that kept coming up that I saw was ketamine. So, I was like, that's interesting. I don't, like, I didn't really, I knew it was like a party drug, but I didn't really know that much about it. It's a very weird party drug. Yeah. Yeah. I, having done it, I'm like, why the fuck would you ever take that around people? Um, yeah. But so, so uh, there's a guy in Santa Monica, Dr. Steven Mandel, and um, that. that's a picture of me getting the Are you ketamine. allowed to talk about this guy on the, the I air? don't know. I mean, Whoops. I think I can. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean the guy's name. He mentioned. I don't mind if you. Oh, talk okay. About so, All uh, right. so he. So you got give, an IV. He's dose. he was an anesthesiologist who uh, basically came up with a regimen for that's for depression. And he's by the uh -huh. way, he's not the only one. Like there's there's probably hundreds in America right now that are doing this. Yeah. With ketamine. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, especially if you go on Reddit or. Um, any like the any of the boards like and any kind of like uh, antidepressant boards or whatever. Uh, there's people that did it, and and there's another one called TMS, which is the other one that's making a comeback is just the the cuckoo's nest one, the, electrical shock yeah, therapy because really? they were doing it wrong apparently, and there's a way to do it now. Like you just they the 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 amperage was too high. <laughs> so they were just fucking frying. They were people. cooking your brain yeah, too much. Fucking, you but if you cook it, it a little bit, yeah, exactly. You, you don't want to grill it. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> so if you little something, steam it. Yeah, you can poach um, an egg, but if you throw an egg on yeah. your, your fucking Weber. So that's that's made a comeback. And then there's another one called transcranial magnetic stimulation, where they just basically shoot magnets at your brain. Mm. Um, and but that's five days a week for five weeks. Hmm. Okay. Ketamine, Ketamine is. The treatment is you do six uh, sessions in two weeks. Whoa. Um, so it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday of two weeks. And I did it last week and the week before. So first time I go in, uh, and again, I don't know if I could have researched it. All I knew that what, what, then you, when you go in, you have basically, when you do ketamine, you have like a out-of-body sort of experience meaning like a dissociative experience so which seems pretty vague um so i so he hooks the iv up and um and within 15 seconds i was like gone like at first you just get sleepy and then i was in the trip that you were talking about thing to fucking geometric shapes all kind the thing about tripping that i forgot is how good the transitions are 
is like it'll go from geometric shapes to like a bear's face to just like just crazy shit for 45 minutes. Wow. Um, and then you come out of it and you slowly come out of it and uh, you wear like noise canceling headphones. I'm just in a doctor's office, like in a weird, not even weird, like those like 1970s doctor's offices that you see in LA, like just sort of a shitty elevator and whatever. Um, so when I came out of the first one, I was like, it was rough because I, I didn't know I was going to trip like that. And B, I had been, I didn't get a ton of sleep the night before. And, uh, so I was, and I'd flown that day. I was just kind of groggy and, uh, and I felt really shitty and it took me like, I was like, after I was done, I probably laid in the bed there for like an hour. So I was like, I can't do shit right now. Like I can't, I could barely stand. So the first day was rough and, uh, and that night I still felt shitty that night. I was like, I don't think I'm going to do it again. Like that was too rough. And, um, then I woke up Tuesday morning and felt fucking great. <laughs> I was like, uh oh, I'm, I gotta do it again. Felt great. Like I felt clear. Here's the, one of the ways my, uh, depression manifested itself was like, I felt my head felt heavy mm. and I felt like I had like, I had like a lead weight on my forehead. You know, that's the way I felt when I did ecstasy the day after the day after yeah. I, I felt, it felt amazing when I okay, did it. That, and that's what it is you, yeah. because it depletes. Cr- yeah, you, yeah. All the serotonin's gone. Yeah. And yeah. that's basically what people with depression a lot of times are like just every day. It's yeah. basically just like a headwind. It's not. It's just like, fucking, could this be a little bit easier? Yeah. Like, I'm not asking for a miracle. I'm just like, I'm just sick of having to walk into, into the wind. wind all the time. Right, right. A little bit uphill into the wind. It's just like, fuck. All right. So I did it again that Wednesday. And every time I did it, um, the, the, the other thing that they, one of the ways that they kind of gauge it is you do like a inventory, a questionnaire, like a 25 question questionnaire. Like, how do you feel? about your future and like it's like not good fine neutral whatever um each one has a point value they add it up if it's like in the teens or high teens or 20s that means you're depressed if you're in the under you know the low teens you're good whatever and i think mine went from low 20s to like single digits in the two weeks wow and the only downside, and I can't get it like perfectly clear read because I'm quitting the SSRI, one of the, the the one that the dick killer. I'm quitting that at, at the, the same, same time. time. So I'm just like that's I'm sort of having withdrawal from that. And the way it was manifesting itself for a couple of weeks was like I just felt like shit. I just felt like I had the flu, but not coughing or sneezing, just like run down. When you wean yourself off of an SSRI, mm-hmm. is there a protocol for doing that? They just st- taper. That's taper. all you can do. And when they say taper, like you have like X, do you get smaller pills? Yeah. Do you... Uh, you just cl- clip them in half. Okay. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and you take less of them? Yeah. You just do, you go, I was on 20, went to 10, went to five. Now I'm at zero. And, and how long have you been at zero? I don't know. I think three or I think four weeks. So how do you feel right now? I feel, I feel better every day from the, from the SSRI effect has gotten better every day. I feel like, I don't feel nauseous. I'm not nauseous, just like, I don't feel like shit. Right. The only way it's kind of manifesting itself now is like, 
one of my eyes is a little like feels like I have something in it. That's the gay eye. <laughs> Got it. Gay and eye for a straight guy. Um, That's what it is. Uh, yeah. So it's one like of my eyes show. feels a little gay. So <laughs> as he was, there's no other word for it. Um, so I just put eye drops in. That's it. Yeah. And it feel, and it, gets and it might be unrelated. The eyeball thing. No, I think it's related because I've looked it up. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's like there's you know SSRI withdrawal if you just Google that. And they have eyeball issues. Yeah, it's like you, you'll it'd be a little cloudy. Huh. Some people it usually lasts like three weeks. Some people I've seen guys on Reddit that were like I fucking had this for six months. Jesus. Which would make me crazy. I think. Yeah. How could you not be? Yeah. So let me ask you this. So you you take it the first time, and how many days afterwards did you feel great? You said two? One. One day. Yeah. Next day. You feel like shit after it's over? Felt like shit the, after it was over. Felt like basically went home and just laid in my, on my couch. Did you feel like physically worn out? Like what was I it? just felt like, uh, I guess like I had a high fever. You know that feeling of okay. just like, I can't do shit. It, was it possible that it was the stress of the experience because you didn't expect yeah, it? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, because you ever had anesthesia? Mm-hmm. You know when you come out of it, it feel that's like my right. least favorite feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. That's basically what it was. That okay. feeling of like, oh fuck, like I'm I could throw up. I'm not gonna. So it could be a bunch of issues. Did yeah. you have the same feeling every time you did it? Yeah, basically. Okay, so- I would need to take a nap. Basically. Every time, yeah, because um, basically the when I did it on the Wednesday, I took a nap and did a spot that night. Wow, yeah, um, I ran into you that night. We talked about it. It was at the Improv, maybe. Well, I ran into you at the store, and you told me that you oh, did yeah, the yeah. last treatment yeah. that day. Yeah, well, that was Friday. That yeah. was like uh, less than a week ago. Yeah. Um, okay, it's a different time. That and that Friday, because I had done it enough. What I found, what was interesting was every session, it would take me longer to go into the trip, meaning like my body was getting used to it. It was building up like a tolerance for it, um, for the ketamine. How how long is like, it's all IV based, uh, Yeah, it's IV based. The first time, like I said, 20 seconds. And the last time was probably four or five minutes. Oh. Um, Oh. Yeah. And he was upping the dose, I think. Wow. Um, so, Well, I ran into you after the first time you did it, and I ran into you, I think, Friday was after the last yeah. time you did it. Yeah. And unfortunately, we didn't have a chance to talk much until yeah. now, so I couldn't like get yeah. an objective yeah, yeah, sense yeah, yeah. of how you seemed. Yeah. What was interesting was like the Friday of the first week, I had, it might have been Friday or Saturday, but there was a thing that was happening to me on stage where I was like, for like months, I felt shitty. You know when you feel shitty, you can't kill that hard? Mm-hmm. Like there's a, yeah. basically a cap. Mm-hmm. I had a cap on my sets for months, and it was making me fucking crazy because I was like, it's not me. Like it's my, it's A, this fucking, A, it's depression, B, it's the SSRIs, and now it's the SSRIs and the uh, ketamine. But I on the Friday or Saturday, I fucking murdered in the main room, which you know is like hard to do. Uh, but it was because I was clear. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was finally like, oh, I don't, the audience wouldn't feel like a sludginess to me. There was like a real, like, you know, more of just like a laser. Focus. Yeah. On point. Yeah. Yeah, man. I've had nights where I'm tired. That is the worst goddamn feeling when you're exhausted and you're trying to come up with energy to go on stage. Uh, 
when you're physically, yeah. your body's physically exhausted. Yeah. So you were kind of battling that a lot. And yeah. So, and then you're taking it. It, it fucking affects writing, too. Oh, like, sure. Like, oh, being sure. depressed. Like, I haven't written... I I think I've got basically to an hour, but it took me like two years. Like it wasn't like right. I'm not like you where I can take a couple months and just come with a newer burr. Any of these guys, like first of all, I think it would take me longer than six months anyway. But it was, and part of it, I wanted to go like I my fucking brain isn't working um, because mm-hmm. I just run out of options in terms of SSRIs and shit. So and also that's a primary focus of your mind. It's like how do how the fuck do I get happy? Yeah, you're trying a million yeah. different medications, yes. all these different ideas. Yeah. And like it's just frustrating. So okay, so you you do it the first time, and then the next day you feel great. Uh, yeah, you're still on the SSRIs. Mm. Or you're weaned off. No, I was done. I mean, you're I was just off. done. Now did I'm you just have to withdrawal. be weaned off of them? Because like this is something that's a big issue with ayahuasca. Like, no, no, I said that like I'm from the jungle. Yeah, ayahuasca. Oh, you uh, can't. Yeah, you can't do SSRIs if yeah. you take ayahuasca. You'll well, die, right? Well, it's very dangerous. Yeah. SSRIs are dangerous with ayahuasca, with dimethyltryptamine. With, yeah. In mushrooms are very closely related to, to dimethyltryptamine. And yeah. There's people that take mushrooms and they also are taking SSRIs. And I've heard that that's kind of funky too. I'm trying to think if I've ever done Ari, that. Ari was on SSRIs, I think, and he was taking mushrooms. So I, I think I've done that. Maybe he was on a different kind of medication. I think I've medication. Done, taken SSRIs. Oh, no, you know what? Mushrooms. I know for a fact. Ari did ask his doctor and told him, and apparently the type of medication he was on was fine with mushrooms. Yeah. The time, I think I did it once or twice on SSRIs. It's fine. Hmm. Um, um, what's really dangerous, apparently, is if you take a prescription MAO inhibitor and then you take mushrooms or you take ayahuasca, then it's super fucking dangerous. I think MAO, MAIO inhibitors have a big profile which like don't take it with other shit yeah that has yeah. more that's on more warnings than most things yeah Did you, i i i believe i've read this i'm i'm like 98 percent sure i read this most people oh i did read it it was uh this guy carl hart who'd be a great guest yeah i've had him oh all right there you go i love uh, that guy it's fucking awesome um said that most people that die of heroin overdoses are drunk like the the most of the overdoses are because they combine it with alcohol that makes sense yeah he was on O'Reilly the other day, and I, I texted him. I was like, how the fuck do you do that? Yeah. Like, you talk for five seconds, and he's and interrupting you. you. Yeah. And then they cut away from him for uh, a breaking news report on the lady getting arraigned in upstate New York for helping the prisoners escape. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a panel. There's him and a bunch of other people. They're all talking about drugs, and he barely got a chance to talk. It's also like, what good does that shit do? None. That's what I always wonder. Like, when they go, hey, you want to come on a panel on CNN? I'm like, No. I'm not going to change any minds, and it's also... It's a shitty way of communicating. Yeah, exactly. This is the way to communicate. Yes. This is the best way. In Woodland Hills. (laughs) In an office park. Yeah, in a shitty office park. (laughs) This is Uh, the way to do it. Red underlighting. Um, So you... So you go and you do it the first time. The day afterwards, you start to feel better. clear in the way... uh, I would compare the trip... In and of itself, the actual trip, like LSD. LSD, mm-hmm. but LSD without the speed. But with a lot of visuals, though. It, uh, all visuals. All visuals. Yeah. Crazy. So the way McKenna described ketamine, I've never done ketamine, mm-hmm. but the way, um, you know, McKenna and John Lilly was a huge pioneer of ketamine. You know, John Lilly's the guy who invented the isolation tank. Oh, and great. One of his things that he used to like to do was shoot ketamine in a muscularly intramuscularly like shove it right into his fucking muscle that, i think that's what i did i mean i guess well, you did IV, yeah. but the intramuscular is a slower release and apparently lasts for hours ah. and he would 
bang, whack himself and <laughs> climb into the tank and be gone for a fucking day. Just zoom around. That's crazy. And McKenna described it like he, this is a very interesting way of describing psychedelics. He believed, whether or not I was correct, it, but he believed that every psychedelic you take, you're, you're experiencing not just your trip, but the trip of all the people who have ever tripped on that psychedelic. So when you're taking mushrooms, you're not just experiencing the mushroom. You're experiencing the mushroom as it has interfaced with countless human beings all throughout humanity. All the different people who have taken the mushrooms and had these beautiful experiences. You experience those experiences as well. It's, yeah. But I, I, don't, I don't disagree. I don't agree with that because I can't. But it yeah. seems who like, knows? yeah, it's possible. But what he said about ketamine was he felt like ketamine was a new drug. And he felt like when he took ketamine that he was in a giant office building that was empty. It's like a vacant office building. He's like he would walk around and there was no one there. He would like look around. There was cubicles. There was lights. There was these big open spaces, but there was no one in the room. Yeah, he said that's it was interesting. just devoid of the kind of experience that you have when you take other sorts of psychedelics. Did you experience? I was in the the things that I remember. One of the things I remember was like getting. I would start on me and then just pull out wide, like a, for lack of a better example, like Google Maps or in my head it was more like um, Grand Theft Auto um, and like where I am. Uh, there's the 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 I'm in Santa Monica and I just go there's California there's whatever like um, I was aware of every sort of your whole experience people that I went to high school with people that I know now like just everyone was sort of there. If not, not like actually, but sort of, you know, I think about them. Um, and then it was like I was in the Matrix is too simplistic. But you, did you see the new uh, Land of the Lost, by, perhaps, Will Ferrell? <laughs> no. <laughs> There's just a weird black void scene. Mm. Like it's like basically a black void with like a Tron floor. Oh. Um, this was like a it was. It was, there was no Tron floor. Like, the, the, it was a white sort of... It was more of a disco floor, okay. actually, than, of white. This was... I didn't have the disco floor, but I did have the sort of black void, and then shit would form out of that, and it was sort of lit. The like It was like the fill lighting, as they call it, would be green. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the way your wall's red, it would be green. Um, so, yeah, and it was... Uh, there you go. <laughs> he just made it green. Oh, man. I'm back there. Dude, uh, oh, I believe oh, God. Man. Um, okay. so the trip was pleasant. It was never like, I never freaked out. I never. Did you experience entities? Does anything that you were communicating with you there? It was all just shapes. Yeah, it was all shapes. So it was just you shapes and feelings like shapes. And like, I would think of stuff. And when you say you would think of stuff, was the stuff that you would think of uh, related to depression? Was it related to yeah, like, because what you were trying like, to fix? What I'm trying to do. Right. You know what I mean? Like, um, so, like, what kind of stuff was going through your head while you were having this experience? Just, like, about, like, love and fucking... Like, the time I went you into... Just have the Hulk music on into, cue <laughs> for any time someone starts talking about... The time I did the, the Float Labs thing... <laughs> right. ...made me get a dog. Because I went to Float Labs and I floated. And I was in the middle. I was like, I gotta... You gotta love something, man. Mm. And I got a dog. Um the uh, and that dog has been the the bane of my existence. I'm uh, that dog has bit more people. Um, <laughs> dog is a, it's fuck a you for sending me there. Kills old ladies. Um, so uh, so so yeah. I thought about. I just think about. It, but it wasn't that much. 
It wasn't. It that was much more. Love? Yeah, I thought about like, what if there's an earthquake? Also, mm. like, fucking, if you're uh, if you're tripping on on like ketamine, you're gone. You, I, my eyes are closed. I couldn't open them. Like, I wouldn't have physically been able to open them. Um, I was like, what if there's a fucking earthquake? But then I just feel like, ah, there's not gonna be a fucking earthquake. Wow, what a weird thing to focus on. So you try to sabotage. It. it would just almost. come into my. It would just right. come into my like. Don't you get that when you're on weed though? Sometimes I don't do weed. Oh, that's right. We uh, weed will let you consider all the possible fuck ups that could go wrong. Even the earthquake, I was like, eh, I get demolished. So you die. Everybody's gonna die. It felt like more of like a. It was like it was gonna be like the San Andreas. And and uh, the rock would not save. Me. Well, what they what they think about that when it comes to psychedelic experiences is like it's your this the thing about psychedelic experiences that's universal is the ego dissolving properties of it, mm-hmm. and they think that a lot of this what that feeling is when you're trying to you know to try to think about all the things that could go wrong. It's almost your ego not wanting to let go. It's like, hey, you need me, man. Because what if the fucking yeah. earthquake happens? Or what if you, you know, what if uh, something's happening right now? What if someone's breaking into your yeah. car? What if, uh, uh, yeah. And the, the paranoia and the fear, this, yeah. the survival instinct is a part of the ego. It and felt it's like, like I was backstage in my brain. That hmm. makes sense. Huh. Like, I was seeing the machinations. I was feel it, but I'd also like see the, see like how it got there. So you could see the wiring. Yeah. But that's what I always feel like when I do. When I did LSD and my when I uh, when I did the ketamine, I was like, "Oh, it feels like your feels like my brain." I feel like I'm like getting a tour of my brain. So, what's supposed to be the mechanism for repair or for this fixing? This is another thing that they, they don't, don't know. really know. They don't know. Wow. But um, it, I can tell you that it worked. Like, because I felt I felt better every day. Hmm. It has to do with the SSRIs for sure, but I also feel like the thing that's been I've been noticing is, and this is such a weird symptom of improvement, I've been laughing at my own jokes more, <laughs> which sounds like when well, it's fucking, oh, so you're an egomaniac. No, I'm just enjoying the idea as like an independent thing. Right. Like I'm having fun. Like, me and this person are playing, for lack of a better word. Like, we're just fucking around. Like, like, so that, to me, is a symptom of feeling better. And I also physically feel better. Wow. Okay. So the first one makes you feel better. Is there an increase every time you do it, two through six? He didn't tell me. I, I'm betting there was. You mean an increase in dosage? Yeah. I meant an e- oh, increase oh, in oh, how you uh, feel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I'd feel it would take me longer to do, get in the trip. And then the hangover would be way less. Like, I think last Friday, I didn't take a nap. Wow. Uh, in fact, I know I didn't take a nap because I got it at 4, and I had like an 8.15. So I did, I was tripping <laughs> from 4.15 to 5, and then figured out how to go, and had a good set. Wow. Yeah. So is this something that you're going to have to repeat, or is it supposed to be like you whack it out in at six tries? At this point... Uh, the, the, how long it lasts is, is, you know, varies. Um, he said it could be a few weeks, could be a few months. He did tell me, he said, this will, these are the things that will make it last longer. Diet, exercise, obvious sleep. He said to sleep with the sun. He's like, let, wake up early if you can. Like, and another doctor told me that like more serotonin is produced early in the day than, uh, than late. 
Um, which so if you wake up early hard. to wake, early to rise. Yeah. That's basically like that's better for your mental health. Keeps a man healthy, wealthy, that is and wise. Um, so, early to bed. So, yeah, it's like going to bed, what are you trying to wake do? up at 7 or 8. But how are you going to go to bed early? You're a comic. I haven't yet. That's not going to work, mm. right? You're just going to be tired all the time. No, but I can go to bed. There are weeks, there are days during the week I can go to bed at midnight or 1. I, I do feel like there's ideas that are available to you when you wake up early in the morning that aren't available to you at a, any other time of the day. Like yeah. sometimes I force myself to get up early in the morning just to sit down and write because I think that sometimes I force myself awake. Like if I'll set my alarm for 6 and then I'll get up and I'll sit in front of that computer at 6.30, I'm all cloudy-eyed. But then somewhere on like 6.20 or 6.45, 6.50, 20 minutes later, I start getting ideas. Yeah. And then they start coming out. And then there's like this is like initial wake up and then the coffee hits in. And there's initial wake up ideas that I yeah. think are almost different because they're really connected to the sleep world. You were just sleeping just a small yeah. amount of time ago. Yeah. Um, and you can't, you don't have defenses at that point. Mm-hmm. You can't be like stupid. You're just like, oh. Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons why people like write like writing really silly shit late at night. Like the news radio writers, they didn't even start working until like 2 o'clock in the morning. I think that was mostly Paul. Yeah. It was Paul. <laughs> it was Paul but being he, in his 20s. and It was also a method to his madness. Yeah. Like Paul knew what he was doing. And they would write the silliest shit. Yeah. Because they were barely awake. They were just like laughing and giggling. Yeah, I'd always heard that that show, they just play video games. That's mostly what the writers do. They got me addicted. They, got, they, had, so a, they, really? a, they had a local area network set up with computers playing Quake on them. Oh, and you funny. would go there and we'd all play real time against each other and talk shit and laugh. That's and, awesome. Oh my God, it was so addictive. But, I like being up. That's the thing. Is mm-hmm. I, like, I don't like getting up, but I like being up. Right. Getting up is the hard part. Yeah. Forcing yourself the to first, get up out of the bed. Oh, you know what? I have a thing on my phone that's really funny and like it it's either for you or not it's called it's an app called i can't wake up right okay it's an alarm clock it goes off it like plays music or whatever chime or vibrates whatever in order to turn it off you have to basically enter a code so it's like a 25 or 30 character code caps numbers lowercase takes fucking 55 seconds To do, and, and by the time on? you're done, you're like, fuck it, I'm up. Oh, my God. If you're doing that next to a girl, if you're dating a girl, <laughs> she doesn't have to get up, yeah. she'd be so mad at you. <sighs> okay. oh, fucking my. asshole. You just yeah. get out of the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's, it's, uh, can't, it's really funny, and it works, actually. I have no problem getting up. I don't like it, but I do it. Yeah. But I've, I grew up getting up every day because I had a paper route for the uh, time right. I was like, 17 till I was like 21. Yeah. Know, maybe even 22. I kept it till. Um, so I get, I'm used to just like, just get up, get up. You know, I just get up. Yeah. The other, so diet exercise, get them with the sun. And, um, other thing that was interesting was the ther- talk therapy. Fine. The other thing with therapy, I got so sick of talking. Mm-hmm. I was like, I need a physical cure. Like I know what the problems are. I, I di- it's not making me feel better. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's a ser- it's a fucking physical issue. I can- I promise you. And I- that's pretty much been established, right? I mean, it's pretty much been established that there are a large majority of people or a large number of people that have depression. There is a de- there's a depleted amount of serotonin. Yeah. Well. Yes. <laughs> is that but established? Yes. Pretty I much. as far as I'm concerned, it's established. But they don't really know, and there are certain therapies. Uh, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, that has, w- works really well for people. 
Now, what do you um, do when you do that? What I is, don't know because I haven't know. done it. Now, when you're when you're getting, do you get measured? Like, do they measure your serotonin? Do they take your blood. I don't and, think they have. They don't have a. They don't have a measurement for it. Whoa. Yeah. Um, look it up, but I don't. I've Googled it, and there's because I've been like, how the fuck do I prove this? But they, they do have serotonin syndrome, right? Where you're taking five HTP and an SSRI, and it gives you too much serotonin. It can really fuck with you. Yeah. So how do they know it's giving you too much serotonin? I think by the symptoms. Hmm. Um, it seems like it seems weird that they don't have a way of measuring what your levels are. Because can they measure your levels of dopamine? I don't think so. Whoa, the brain is so fucking complicated. Oh, they know man. like nothing. They know nothing about it because it's impossible to. There's no, you know what I mean? It's like you can look at a heart. Most of it that's physical. Mm-hmm. It's just like blood. The thing, the liquid goes in, then it comes out. It's mechanical. Whereas the brain is not mechanical. Well, one of the things that you brought up was Carl Hart, Doctor Carl Hart, and there's a lot of really brilliant people today that are trying to get people to understand addictions and what what are the root cause of addiction. And Gabor Mate had uh, some interesting stuff to say about that, too, in the, the movie The Culture High. And one of the, the main issues they're talking about is that a lot of these people that are addicted, that did deal with addictions, or people that are depressed and people that have <clears throat> like these moments in their life they're trying to get over the hump, they're dealing with <coughs> childhood abuse or they're g- dealing with childhood stress yeah. or really traumatic I've had a lot events. of therapists tell me I have PTSD. Yeah. A lot of therapists told me that. Well, you had you didn't have the easiest childhood. No, I think it's partially like I my dad never hit me, but he used to beat the shit out of my brothers, and I was like three. So I think that must have been like yeah traumatic. How, how could it not be? Yeah, how could it not be? Yeah, you know, I mean, I can't imagine that. I can't even imagine that. Yeah, it was shitty. It's just a shitty way to. And then like, <sighs> there's so many kids, you don't get like the enough nutrients basically yeah so and they say like a lot of that a lot of serotonin levels are based on uh that early shit it can only it only makes sense yeah it only makes sense that your brain is programmed based on the experiences that it has to deal with yeah and that if you're dealing with like like that's one of the things they say about extremely violent neighborhoods kids that grow up in violent like uh, michael irvin was telling me this the kids that grow up in violent families and around violence they literally from the womb the mother as she's dealing with high cortisol levels yeah. and stress levels and adrenaline yes. the mother is programming the child yeah. from from the time it's inside of her body to be more reactive to explode to like, I feel freak like, out yeah cortisol at an early age i feel like kills serotonin you know what i mean I could be making that up, but it sounds right. So would you categorize what you're doing by having these experiences with ketamine, like a rewiring? Do you think you're – so that's what you're saying You're going to think I'm crazy, but there have been times in the last week um, where I can feel my brain physically not moving, but like – Adjusting. Just like – like maybe like, like a certain a little... amount of energy was inside that area. Yeah, I don't. Well, that's there. the thing about the brain; it fucking knows what it is. Like mm. they know about like dendrites and fucking and uh, nerve endings, all that shit. But they don't know about. They don't really know. They just know chemicals and the and the synapses. That's. But they don't know exactly how they interact even. So I felt m- my brain has felt different physically, and my sleep has been all over the place. One night I couldn't. I woke up at six and couldn't get back to sleep. Like, and then another day I slept till like 11 in the morning, you know what I mean? 11 or 12, like late. So it's been all over the place, which lets you know, like 
there's an adjustment going on. Do you get sun in your bedroom? Yeah. You don't sleep with curtains no. closed? No. Nope. So when the sun comes in, you wake up? No. That that's comes how you're supposed in. to do it, right? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Uh, yes. That's, that goes to that waking up with the sunshine yeah. thing. Um, so, and the other thing, the other symptom that I feel like it's better is I've been writing more. Mm. It's like, fucking thank God. Fucking yeah. thank you. For, Not just writing more, but being more productive with your writing. Yeah. Right. Being more productive with it. Because you also, don't strike me as a guy who would be lazy, like not writing. No, but but like you know, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not like if I don't have an idea, I just don't write. Right. I'm not one of these people like no 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 no. There's something funny about the sky. Like let's figure it out. Like I just, that's kind of never how it's been for me. I draw. I write entries. I like write like blog entries or essays, and then I extract funny ideas from. That's them. what I've been doing. I feel like if I sit down and just try to write joke joke jokes. It's not my style. It's not the most effective way. Like, I, I create a lot of, like, uh, pulp. There's a lot of nonsense oh, dude, that I don't about need. It. Fucking tell me about it. Like, and, but I have accepted that as a part of the process. That yeah. I'm just, like, mining. Yeah. Like, you don't just tap into a mountain and go, oh, look, it's all gold. Yeah. Like, no, it's gold mixed in with rock and bullshit. And you got to yeah. find it. And again, I think some people are just better at distilling their shit. Mm-hmm. Or their their shit comes to them more distilled. But don't you think, though, that, for, for me at least, almost all of it, sucks until i bring it to the stage like almost i i have to find out what it really is i have to like push it out in front of people like i had this new bit that i worked out last night for the first time ever at the ice house and as i was working it out, i was like oh finally i know because i didn't know like before i was like is there something in this like, yeah i don't know if there's anything in this that's but, the thing about comedies you're never sure yeah you're never fucking sure so but, i don't i literally go on with this and go i don't know i i if you ask me to bet I lose money a lot of the right. time. Right. And then sometimes it's like a tagline that's the funniest that line. That gets the, the huge laugh and you're like, oh, all right. Or a throwaway. I still said it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still taking the credit. I'll take the credit. I didn't think it was where I thought. Do you think that that attitude, that, that thinking about the credit, like what we were talking about before, that, mm-hmm. that was the, the boost that you got was you would get ego and you would get adrenaline mm-hmm. and you wouldn't get the joy. Yeah. Do you think that it's detrimental to concentrate on the credit? Do you think that it's better to achieve like a yeah. zen state? I, yeah. Well, that's the thing of like the thing I've said on here before, which when me and Dave did the show, we wouldn't tell people who wrote what because mm-hmm. it was like it's none of your business because right. you're just going to use it to judge the person who didn't write it, mm-hmm. who didn't come up with it. So, so yeah, I don't – I. All I, whenever I'm with a group of people, if I'm writing in a room, my feeling is generally how it works with me is I don't pitch anything for a while up front. And I'm like, dude, you gotta fucking pitch him. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, I've either caught up or beat most of the people. Like, because I, I just want to contribute. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, just, uh, I just want to contribute to the right. room. So, but the idea, I don't get to, I want to, I want to hold my own, but I'm not like, I'm going to fucking vanquish these motherfuckers. Cause it's, right. a, it's comedy. It's like, it's silly. And like how you come up with it is com- so communal that it's. Well, in that sense, but I'm talking yeah. about in the sense of actually writing things for you, for you on stage, not in the writer's room when you're writing for a sitcom or something like that. We're talking about like you coming up with a tagline out of nowhere and go, well, I'll take it. I still want credit for that. You know, oh yeah, you know I mean, I'm kind of jo- I'm joking about it in that I guess it's like the ego. Th- it's just like I didn't know that was the thing. It's mm-hmm. like the guy who invents. It happens a lot with pharmaceuticals. Actually, they right. think it's for high blood pressure, and then it ends up being for 
for depression or yeah, or something exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. So yeah. it's like, oh, cool. But right. I don't. With the, the credit thing, I don't get too hung up with. I'm like glad that I came up with it. But yeah. I'm like you, where there's such, you know, chaff, like mm-hmm. just fucking nothing. Yeah. And then it's what's nice is when you have a thought or like a long held uh, idea about something, and then eight years later you come with a joke for it. Yeah. And for me, also, sometimes I find puzzle pieces and they, they're like little islands and all of a sudden clink, they them. click together yeah. and they have a bridge and then they yeah. become awesome. Like, I know where I'm yeah, going to put like, you. Oh my God, you puzzle fucker. Little buddy. Come on yeah, over. Now you're exciting. Now yeah. you're a part of a little little yeah. continent. Yeah. It's not an island anymore. Yeah, because after a while, if you have enough bits in your act, if you have like five or six ideas or eight or whatever, then you can just... they. You'll just end up filling up those eight more than like, I got to come up with two more. Mm-hmm. It's just like the eight get longer with yeah. those little puzzle pieces. Now, after doing these six treatments, do you anticipate this being like a quarterly thing that you do to just keep your, your brain charged yeah. in this state? He told me that there's a guy who does it once a month, whether he feels like he needs it or not. Um, wow. By the way, I should say it's 600 bucks a treatment. Jesus. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Yeah. So you are... But by the way, they were like, it's 3500 bucks. I was like, I'll give you... Name your fucking price. If it's going to work, right. I'll give you half my life savings. I don't give a fuck. Right. Like, it's none of this shit means anything if I'm not happy. Not only that, as an artist, as someone who, who's more productive if you're happy, yeah. it's worth a shitload of money. Yeah. Uh, that's 100% true. And also more productive when your brain's working properly. How long has this gentleman been doing this? Um, didn't ask. <laughs> but he has one guy. He was that an comes anesthesiologist. To- uh, he that by trade he was an anesthesiologist, and uh, and in the uh, by the way, it's also it's approved by the FDA. Right. That's what's so crazy. The first thing I said when I came out of the trip, I go, I can't believe the FDA approved that. How did they know? Like, I because it works. It's like he said, it's like seventy to eighty percent of people it works with with. Uh, Depression. With, yeah, with persistent depression, like persistent kind of mildly untreatable depression. What if people aren't depressed? What about a guy like me? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. It could take you the... Monkeying with your fucking neurology there, (laughs) Rogan. I mean, it might. I don't think it'll... It fucks me up. I don't think it'll fuck you up any more than DMT or ayahuasca or anything. I was going to do ayahuasca. Yeah. Um, And then the more I read about it, I was like, eh. Eh? Just like... What's my really throwing up for hours and fighting diarrhea, yeah. and then it also seemed like nebulous in terms of uh, is that what happens or not? I don't, I've only done DMT. I've done the pure extract, which is what what ayahuasca is is a slow release version of DMT. Okay. So what happens is with DMT, they they get it down to this freebase form, which is essentially they they process it down to the raw crystals, and you smoke that, and you get pure DMT or the way Rick Strassman did it. Rick Strassman, finally we rescheduled. His health is doing much better, and he'll be here, I think, August. I think he's going to be here in August. Um, uh, but he wrote a great book called DMT, The Spirit Molecule. It's based yeah, they on made his, a documentary, right? Yeah, and I, I hosted the documentary. Oh, great. It's in my queue, Joe. Yeah, we'll go watch it. See you, you see me, I'm beautiful. Um, and it, but... The mo- it was it means connected to Rick's work, but it was a lot of other experts and Dennis McKenna and a lot of different yeah. people uh, interviewed talking about the drug. But 
what he found, he had, uh, this is all FDA approved as well, and it, they did these trials out of the University of New Mexico where they gave people intravenous DMT, which is just like they're doing the intravenous ketamine with yeah. you, you know, boom, right into this bloodstream and a long-term effect, just like your experience. Yeah. It's like a 45-minute trip yep. as opposed to DMT, which is like 50, you smoke it rather, which is like 15 minutes. So the ayahuasca, what they've done is they figured out a way to have DMT and MAO inhibitor, a natural MAO inhibitor. Okay. Because monoamine oxidase, which is MAO, dissolves DMT in the gut. So if you try to take it orally, your body just breaks it down. And one of the reasons for that is that DMT exists in so many different plants that it was just orally active on its own. You would get high every time you get yeah, eat a salad. Edible, yeah. You'd be tripping your balls off. You know, it'd be just, it would be edible, but it's just, you'd be freaking yeah. out. Your, your, your neurotransmitter levels would go through the fucking roof every time you ate vegetables. So he, um, they figured out how to do it with, you know, they did it in a, in a hospital setting, just like sort of what you're doing, a doctor's office setting, sort yeah. of like what you're doing. And um, they had, you know, really, really, really profound results with it to the point where um, it was really, really life-changing shit for the people that were a part of it. Yeah, because it's just like a fucking, it's like having a, le- it's like, you know when you see boxers working with like a weighted vest? Mm-hmm. It's like, take the vest off. So that's what you feel like after you got out of there, you yeah. took the vest off. Yeah. And you took the vest off more and more every time you did it. Yeah. And so the sixth one, after the sixth one's over, describe what it's like the next day after the initial ba- smaller hangover now because you're smaller six hangover old. and just general. I, and I was taking that, like I said, the the scores would go down. The on the uh, it's called the Beck uh, questionnaire or some shit. Um, and uh, and I just feel like I like my dog more. <laughs> I mean, it's just the dumbest shit, but it's like. I write more, I laugh my own jokes more, I like my dog more. The other thing that he said, which I was going to mention, of the things that will make it last longer, diet, health, exercise, um, uh, talk therapy, and a a close personal connection. That's what he said. Close personal connection. Yeah. With someone. With someone. Yeah. With a love. Yeah. So... Do you, are you capable of love? I'm on the street. <laughs> I'm out on the streets looking. Looking for love yeah. in all the wrong places? <laughs> I'm looking for a candidate. Hmm. Trying to make this, make this fucking... Make this ketamine last, girl. <laughs> <laughs> now, what are you doing for exercise? Uh, kettlebells and treadmill. Okay. Which I always do. Um, so... But it's, you know, like one of those, just a YouTube kettlebell exercise mm. regimen yeah that's hard to motivate yourself you should go take a class i don't the thing is i don't have a hard time like when i got my treadmill my accountant's like trust me you're never going to use it my clients get it never use it. i was like i'm what a irish accountant. catholic like i'm fucking gonna use it trust me like i will be like no you fucking i you motherfucker you will <laughs> Why Do you ever you see the uh, talking shit like that questioning your will say listen he's because he's an asshole like that fuck. he's did that when um he, I invested in that tick that Laugh Stub website mm-hmm. that does the tickets for all the comedy clubs. I invested in it uh, four, five, six years ago, and he's like, "I don't think it's." I quadrupled my money, uh-huh. and it was like, "By the way, my dad's a fucking lawyer. Like, I'm not a rube." 
my dad worked was a tax lawyer. Like, I'm not like, wait, wait. And he, when I invested in a restaurant recently, he's like, yeah, you can sit at the corner table. I'm like, I'm not doing it to sit at the fucking corner table. I'm doing it because I think it's a good investment. You need a new accountant. He sounds like so. a negative Nancy. He is. What a um, dick. Yeah. So, uh, if I had an accountant like that, I'd be like, listen, fuck face. He's trying to, I mean, he's trying to be cautious. That's what fuck he's trying to do. Him. Yeah. Fuck him. Uh, cautious people are great, but not that cautious. Where you're getting cautious about a fucking treadmill, you micromanager. Yeah. Just let him buy the treadmill. Yeah. Let the kid have some fun. Let the kid have a fucking exercise equipment. In yeah, his I house. use it all the time. Um, and uh, kettlebell, same thing. So, do you feel like a, a noticeable change when you have a good workout? Do you feel like elevated? Do you feel no, happy? I have yet to get that. I've yet get, to like, get the. High? No, at this point, I just I because I just wasn't. Because I felt shitty and didn't exercise for like three weeks, I now I'm like fucking doing kettlebells and I'm like fuck afterward just because I haven't I'm out of shape basically right. Because so I'm you, in that like fucking Jesus. So the three weeks where you were weaning yourself off of yeah. the drugs, the last couple months I just haven't had time to uh, to do that shit, and I haven't been home and shit. So right. Um. So but now that I'm back on it, I'm hoping I've never had a runner's high. You know what I mean? We're like, yeah, you got a runner's. I'm like, I never had a runner's high. The fuck are you talking about? Wow, that would require serotonin. <laughs> I think you got to go deep to get a runner's high too. You got to be exhausted. Yeah, I think, I think right? it's yeah. It's, I think it's. Uh, I can't remember what the what the mechanism is why you get it. It's like one of those things where your body thinks you're dying or something. My buddy Cameron Haynes just ran a fucking twenty four hour run, a mile track, twenty four hours. He did one hundred and six laps. He ran 106 miles in 24 hours. His legs swelled up to twice their size. His feet are fucking bleeding. He's had videos on his Instagram of him, them popping these uh, blood volcanoes in his feet, popping and squirts up in the air. What did he do it to, for? To be an asshole. Does <laughs> let everybody know that he can run 106 miles? I like miles. that his body hulked out afterward. Like, <laughs> I guess we're a Hulk now. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's Hulk out. <laughs> He pushes himself. He's really into pushing himself, you know, like testing his men mental toughness, testing his, his mental boundaries. Yeah. So, so he ran 106 miles. Fucking psycho. <laughs> he's crazy. Um, he's a professional bow hunter. He's, oh, he's a crazy right. guy no as it is. Yeah, he, say no more. He regularly throws a 135-pound rock in his backpack and climbs up hills to simulate like, what it's like to pack out meat when you're hunting. Because you got to, these mountain hunters, mountain hunting is incredibly difficult to do physically. You, like you do it? Is that the up, one you did? I've done it a couple times. Yeah. But the climbing up was the most shocking. Like how tired you get. I yeah. Thought, like I'm in shape. I work out all the time. Yep. Like, I'll climb that mountain, bitch. But you guys are talking like, holy fuck. Yeah. You're, if, you're, if you're not doing that specifically, like constantly climbing, you get fucking exhausted. So he gets in, cause, and then you miss out on opportunities. And he's a professional. That's what he does. So he does it. He gets in shape literally for that. And then along the way, he got addicted to getting in shape, you know, and then you get addicted to results and addicted to and performance. Cocaine. Dun, dun, um, dun, the uh, dun, other thing I was going to mention was the since taking the ketamine, my recall has gotten better. Memory. Yeah. Because really? that's the, the thing that is sort of un, unsung about depression. It fucks your memory up. Like, you can't recall words. Well, it makes sense because memory's increased by upping your neurotransmitters. Yeah. When you take nootropics, that's one of the things that we found when we did the double-blind placebo studies on at the Boston Center for Memory with um, Alpha Brain was that one of the big markers that it increased in is memory. Memory and even reaction time, executive function, all those things yeah. that you're attaching to... 
like or the the opposite of it you're attaching to depression this like slowness this drag this weight yeah the other thing last night last two nights when i've been at clubs i remember everyone's name oh. normally i'm like i you i don't i think i know your name i couldn't tell you what it is hmm. like i could see their name next to their face Wow. Um, so, which, again, just a weird thing that you don't think about. And then when it happens, you're like, fucking, okay, good. I thought my memory was fucked up. If I could remember how I used to think of you when I first met you, like way back at the Boston Comedy Club, yeah. you were never like jovial. Mm-mm. You never like were like real happy. Ever. You were always Ever. cool. Like, yeah. We were always, got, we always were friendly yeah, with each other. Yeah, fucking throw the ball around a little. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. You, but you uh, were always No, I know. Like, I, when I was a kid, I was like that. There was a stoic. picture of me as a baby, um, one or one and a half. Uh, and I'm like literally staring at the picture, like staring oh. at the camera. And Chappelle goes, and you've had that look on your face ever since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were always kind of stoic. Yeah, you know? and it's not. And the thing is, it's like the other thing. It sucks going through life going like, I know there's something better. Mm-hmm. I know there's something. I don't want to be like this. Like, right. I know that there is a I know if I wasn't like this, life would be more enjoyable. Mm. And like, and I know it's not, you know, it's the thing with depression is a lot of times people think it's just like, oh, well, you don't fucking, it's like when Henry Rollins said fucking, I can't believe Robin Williams killed himself. It's like, well, then you don't fucking understand depression, dickhead. It's not like getting lung cancer because you didn't even breathe right. He's got that whole suck it up attitude down pat. Yeah. But... I don't, I, I can't subscribe to that. I, I've known way too many people that have had like real fucking problems with it. And I think it can be adjusted with the behavior modifications, the way you treat people, the way you interface with people, with exercise, with diet. A little there's, bit. There's a lot going on. But yeah. some people, man, it's not enough. Some yeah. people just are still fucking depressed. Yeah. that's. I've gone to therapy fucking 15 years. Ari said mushrooms helped him a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of people say like mushrooms. They're trying to. They're mushrooms is in this whole ketamine, mm-hmm. iboga, 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 um, ibogaine, ibogaine. Yeah, but the iboga. extract is iboga, yeah. um, ayahuasca, all mm-hmm. that shit. Um, there's a thing in in South America that you can go, or Costa Rica that uh, it's like an igoba, an ibogaine retreat, mm-hmm. and you see there are videos on this retreat thing. You see a guy transform in a week, and mm-hmm. it's not fake right you can see it in his carriage in his eyes like it's amazing um so yeah i think some people it's just like you gotta fucking hard do a hard restart yeah hard restarts are great for phones and people yeah which brings me to the samsung galaxy s6 (laughs) you know when you do the math it's simple six is is greater than six what is that one of the ads that is Mm. need maybe maybe you should do punch up on that (laughs) I do a little punch up, but they don't, I can't pick what they pick. Um, they should listen to you. I think they're popular, though. They, they very, do listen to me sometimes. They're very popular. But like the, I think the ads are popular, so I can't argue with them. Well, it's just All funny. those ads on YouTube, it's just, on the in the comments, it's just every, it's just Apple, Samsung, Apple, Samsung, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you. It's just like, dude, you gotta, this can't be that important. Well, people get hung up on brands so hard. You know, I've had people that, I've talked to that say I'll never buy a Ford. 
I'm a fucking Chevy guy. And you're like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, what's wrong with you? How, what, I don't buy Apple, dude. I'm a Windows guy. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. okay. Jesus Christ. It's, what if all of a sudden Apple comes up with the greatest thing ever? Are you going to stick to your guns? Because they trick you into... Because it's not about the product. It hasn't been about the product Plans. and advertising for 20, 30 years. It's about the cultural meaning yeah. of the thing. Uh-huh. With especially big brands. Especially, that's why like sneaker companies and shit like that, once they go south... Once they're for losers, good Forget luck. It. Forget it. Good luck. Once bringing... you see one homeless guy wearing them, <laughs> and, no. and I'm talking, I'm talking to you, and one. Uh, once you, I would see, and one, like once you see, or, or like, and one had its day in the sun. Yeah, but it didn't for like work. two years. Yeah, but and what then happened? it was just homeless guy. I don't know. It's interesting. I'm sure it's interesting. They fucked up their brand. Yeah. What other brands would you say are inexorable or unfixable? Pony in the '80s. Pony's back though. They no? they tried. What about Puma? Puma, Puma was a little shaky for a while. Well, there are some that now like kind of classic. Some are European some companies mm-hmm. like uh, I think Nike owns Converse and I think Adidas owns Puma. Converse All Stars never stopped. Yeah. They never went away. They never did. They they hung in there just by the fact that it's not expensive and badass fucking sneaker. They just they're they're new. They're like stylish enough and neutral enough. Yeah. They don't call a lot of attention. They don't go on and on about it. You know what I mean? Chucks all day. So then there's like a bunch of other companies that are like, oh, New Balance? Hmm, not sure. Yeah. Well, New Balance, <laughs> some of them are just for runners. Like right. some are just like uh, Sakani. Oh, yeah. yeah. New Balance. What about Adidas? Brooks. Apparently Adidas Mexico. is always going to have a certain, like shell tops are always going to have a certain amount of class. Yeah. My Adidas. And Nike's got, Nike's got the... Uh, the the uh, pro athlete angle, yeah, but they got like the the fucking the like the super that one that's been like cool that black dudes wear, yeah. Um, the clean ones, my white, the clean ones. I can't think of the name of it. Do you request in your rider a new pair of sneakers with every show that you do? I do not like Eddie Griffin. Yes, a those are the ones. It's that shoe, yeah. white sneakers. It's the white Air Force, fuck, ones. Air Force ones. Thank you very much. It's the white Air Force ones. They've like that's a perennial for them. A perennial, yeah. Mm. And the the other one is the uh, the fucking air. It's got the. It was the first one with the bubble. Remember when it used to be Timberlands? Air Max. Air Max. That is correct. Remember when it used to be Timberlands? Yeah. Timberlands with no laces. Yeah. Yeah. Remember? I was there, Joe. What What happened there? It wasn't jovial. Didn't work. Um, that didn't work. No, in certain areas, I in that they never went out. They never went out. In certain areas, they never went out. Is it like Doc Martens with depressed white people? That is correct. Doc Martens. Those, yeah. There was a, a big part of the depressed punk rocker angry. rebellion. Yeah. Mm, they want to be from Liverpool. Not talking to your parents. That Fuck my way. parents. I'm doing heroin. Mm-hmm. Look at my shoes. I'll be on St. Mark's if anyone needs me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doc Martens are a weird one. Like, if you wore Doc Martens, you're basically like giving up on the rest of society. Like, and they're not good looking. They started like skinheads made them popular. Like really? they were like big in the skinhead community, and then they kind of took off from there. It's like, are we sure? Well, they represented like a certain aesthetic, of, like a person who's just not following the norm. You like yeah. dark things, yeah. clouds. And- yes. <laughs> yeah. Safety yeah. pins in your clothes. It's like the Johnny Rotten fucking Malcolm McLaren shit. Yeah. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, says Kevin. Kevin. All these fucking weirdos, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, I've got to say, so far, so good with the ketamine. Like it's no well, that's complaints. great to hear that you yeah. found something that's an actual solution. Yeah, 
that at least in this one run yeah have have, have had people have um have people had an issue similar to way you were saying that these SSRIs they would work for a little while but then they stopped working have people had an issue like this with ketamine or is it too uh, early to I tell I think they've uh, uh, my feeling personally is like at a certain point I'll do something else mm-hmm. but um but I don't think it's a matter of quitting. I don't know what would ha- I don't think it would be like the SSRI thing is your a chemicals leaving your body. Right. That's the withdrawal, which creates like any drug withdrawal. It's just your body's trying to compensate. Um, with this, there's no I, there's no ketamine in me now to speak of. Right. I guess there's maybe ketamine creates something in your brain that whatever. So well, that's one of the weirdest things about some psychedelic trips is you feel like there's rewiring going on. Mm-hmm. Like you feel that with DMT, like they're working in your brain, like you see them peripherally, and you're looking at you going shh, yeah, and they're like doing some shit off to the side. That's what I mean. It's like going backstage in your brain. And you're just like, oh fuck, this yeah. is the oh go hey guys, how are you? Well, you, you know? I think you're seeing. Wait, I, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're seeing is like the roots of where your behavior is coming from when you're saying that you see the wiring under the board. Uh, yeah, I, I just see more like the board. The board itself. Yeah. Not necessarily like, oh, Do you there's see your the, childhood? The lever. Do you see your childhood? No, I didn't see my childhood very much. No. no. I Do mean, you see you in the current state? I don't I don't really see. I w- it was a POV. Um, we all know POV from porn. Uh, it was a POV <laughs> shot of me basically laying in the same position as I was on the bed, which is just like, you know, sitting up. Mm-hmm. in the bed so it was just me basically at one point it became like a little roller coaster like but a fun kind of smooth like water ride um but it's just me kind of going through different things um and some of the times it was just like white blah you know just like and you you're going into it with a mindset where you're trying to cure your depression or you're trying to eliminated or mitigated or yeah I, yeah like it. i didn't yeah i was like i'm just hopeful right um but why you're having these experiences while you're on the water slide is this a, a theme are you thinking i'm th- no or are you just experiencing it? it's just kind of nice and nice feeling and then at times i would be like oh fuck i'm in santa monica i'm trying to treat depression wow <laughs> and you would think that while you're in the middle yeah. of the trip yes wow yeah and the other thing is you could i could hear the doctor sometimes what so he say? he'd be talking. Oh, but there's a nurse watching you the whole time. A nurse? She yeah. hot? She's super fucking hot. Really? Stephanie, if you she, listen. Is she really? She was cute. Yeah, Joe. Wow. She was. She's And that's where that POV came in handy. She's got a corset on. Yeah. Um, no, so she was watching. She just watches you. Mm. And I was like, hey, would you videotape me? And she was like, yeah. And then I got him. She's like, you didn't do anything, so I didn't videotape. I was like, it wasn't really the point. But um, yeah, you're supposed to catch me while I'm under. So yeah. I'd say, this is me under. Yeah, a couple she's times. She's got her own artistic she's direction. Got her own fucking, you know how they get. Um, Goddamn nurse. So, uh, so yeah. So there's a nurse watching you, and then there was. They also use ketamine for pain management. If people have have chronic pain that they can't get rid of, really, they yeah, ketamine's a treatment. Why? Why ketamine for that? I don't, know. The me- they don't know. It's the same fucking thing. That's Something's so going on. Yeah, the, the not knowing why it's effective is very strange. Yeah, and the dosage. My understanding is the dosage is way less than people would take on the street, and the fact that it's way less than people take on the street, and I was still fucking tripping my balls off, is I don't know what happens on the street. Well, the street ones they're taking, they're snorting it, or they're okay. smoking it. 
Oh, so it's less. So maybe yeah. it gets cut down by the mm-hmm. body. Oh, we gotta imagine. It's, yeah. it's getting processed by your stomach. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going through your your organs and all that jazz. You, you're just shooting it right into your blood. You probably need yeah. way less. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah. So you should look into Lily. Look into John Lilly because he really was a okay. fucking nut for ketamine. He became addicted to it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, he apparently was. I can't just, imagine getting addicted to it because it's pretty. I know it's another a guy day who got filler. addicted to it. Like it was a it's club. a day. Well, a guy who was into it as a club drug, he got addicted to it and came out here. Um, a buddy of mine took him out here to rehab. He was a fighter. Took him out to, uh, there's a place in Thousand Oaks. It's a, a rehab place that's um, that specializes or did specialize. In the, this is like early 2000s. Specialized in ketamine. And uh, he wound up dying from it. He died. From withdrawal or from overdose? Drug overdose, whatever kind of drug. Who knows if it was ketamine or a yeah. bunch of other things or a combo, yeah. with ketamine, but he had a real ketamine problem. So ketamine, like recreationally, I does carry dude, I with wouldn't it. know to. I wouldn't. It, it's like you can't fucking trip. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want it. It's like, would you want to do shrooms every day? Some people would, but it's like everything else. Like, you know, should you be able to get a tattoo? Yeah, of course. Some people want to tattoo every part of their body, including their eyeballs. Great. Okay. Well, that's not me, but yeah. as long as I can say I want to have a sleeve, I can't stop some guy from turning his eyeballs into Toad from the X-Men or whatever the fuck he's doing. What's yeah. that guy's name? It wasn't Toad, right? Something like that. Um, frog? What the fuck's his name? Uh, Wolverine? No, the, the froggy guy. I don't the think there was a frog in X-Men. <laughs> what was he? The guy with the fucking tail. Nightcrawler? No, there was Nightcrawler and there was another guy that was like a Toad. Whatever, you know what I'm saying. You know what the fucking crazy West Borland yeah. looking black yeah, I don't, eyes. I wouldn't. I have would have no interest in doing that. I would like to do it as little. Is that a different one? Was that one? That's a different one. So anyway. that's not that's not the frog. That's not the one I was talking about. <laughs> well, who the fuck is that? Mm. That's the frog. I was talking about the. Uh, oh, you're talking about somebody else. Got the other it. guy who's up there. The other guy is the guy with that guy right there. The guy to the left of that. The other guy. That guy, yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, that's what he looked like. All right, whatever. Um, yeah, I don't. I couldn't imagine doing it. Every it was pleasant, but it wasn't that pleasant because mm. the hangover's not like I hate that fucking feeling of coming out of anesthesia. Like I had a septum surgery, mm-hmm. and um, the guy didn't take out enough shit. But that's a whole other thing. But when I came out of it, um, it was in New York, like probably eight, nine years ago. When I came out of it. It was the fucking worst feeling coming out of the anesthesia, and I couldn't breathe. I was like, can I please get some water? I can't really breathe. And she was like, we can't give you water. It's that thing where they're like, Mr. Brown, Mr. It's just like this jarring fucking thing where they're trying to wake you up. And I was like, please. And she's like, I can give you an ice cube. She gave me an ice cube. I hawked up a fucking blood pellet that was like, well, what if I hadn't asked for that shit? Like, Mm -hmm. I could have, it was dangerous. Um, So you had swallowed like a clot. Basically, yeah. That Breathe my, in a clot. And or, yeah, stuck. some, uh, like, blood booger or yeah, something. Dude, I, and I it was put like, some pictures on Twitter after I got my deviated septum done where I was blowing out these fucking silver dollar-sized hunks of blood and yeah. booger. Ooh, they were did very you get enough meat? Though. The guy didn't take enough meat out. Yeah, my guy was awesome. He did a great job. I almost want to get it again. Get it again. All right. I love it, man. Now that I've come out of the fucking ketamine, maybe I can double up. Having nose nose uh, breathing, being able to breathe through my nose, yeah. that, I didn't get that until I was like 40 or 39, yeah. I think I had it done. I still can't really breathe out of one of my nose. <sighs> yeah. 
for me, it's magic. You imagine the kind of shape I'd be in if I, I had both nostrils? Imagine. I'm terrified. Fucking guy. Fucking guy. <laughs> Fucking guy. This guy's got two nostrils. He knows what to do with them. Well, it's just nice to be able to breathe. Just to be able to breathe mm-hmm. out of your nose with your mouth closed. I was a mouth breather most of my life. Yeah. But I th- apparently it's not an easy surgery, and some people just, it doesn't work right on them. You know, and some Does people- it grow back? That's the other can, thing I've heard. You it can, grows back can swell. To like, can but swell. I've, it, I've heard like it just repeats. No, mine hasn't. Okay. Mine's How long been ago seven was it? years, okay. and it's amazing. Yeah. They, they trim your turbinates, I think they're called, yeah. those big bones in there, and they also cut out a lot of calcified blood on me. Oh, really? Yeah. Mine was all like- they there was like an X ray. The guy's like, I don't think you need anything. And then he showed. He did like the X ray, and it, there was so much like cartilage or whatever. Blockage. It was turling. It was like it was like cinnamon bund mm-hmm. to fit. Oh god. So I guess he took that out, but he didn't take out enough shit. They say that there's a, a, a large percentage of people that deal with block septums. That it's, it's super common. Yeah. Because your nose is so fragile. And you're yeah. whacking on a door, and all of a sudden it's bent, and now you don't breathe right for the rest of your life yeah. until you get an operation. I've heard, whether it's true or not, that like a lot of it has to do with inbreeding. <laughs> I really have. I've really? heard that Jewish people and Irish people have fucked up noses from inbreeding. Really? Where'd yeah. you read like, that? In fucking on Reddit, bro. <laughs> no, uh, where do you think I fucking read it? Um, well, you know how uh, fighters get cauliflower ear? Yeah, which they, is rough. They get that with their nose as well. You get it with your nose. Inside, inside your, your nose? nose? Yeah. The, Got inside, it. the soft tissue inside your nose bleeds and swells and fills with blood, and that blood hardens and calcifies. And there's nothing you can... Got to get in there and scrape it out. Got to get an operation. If you can don't, they do anything for cauliflower ear? Yeah, yeah. They cut the fl- they cut the ear, they flay it open, and then they scrape out all the calcification. That, and it's just and calci- stitch it right it's back calcified up. Mm-hmm. ear. Yeah, it's just blood that becomes calcified. When blood leaks, like when you have breaks in the blood vessels, apparently, and it's under the, skin, the surface of the skin, it swells up, it, like fills up with blood, and then that blood hardens. And becomes like calcium. I uh, someone I know was telling me that they woke up with vertigo. Whoa! And it turned out um, because a friend of hers had had it for months, and they go, "Yeah, it turned out it was just a piece of dust in my inner ear." Whoa. So basically, if you ever wake up with vertigo, one of the ways you get rid of it is literally like trying to get water out of your head. You're trying to just jar the dust or whatever it is. Whoa. Um, like somersaults fucking laying on your side. <laughs> I swear to God, there was like somersaults is one of the cures. Wow. Um, so if anyone wakes up with vertigo, get to fucking How weird flipping. is it that your ears control your balance? Like somehow uh, yeah. your ears and your balance are connected. Yeah. And your nose and your taste buds are connected. Yeah. The yes. fuck is going on with the human design? What a shit design. Yeah, and your balls are on the outside. Yeah, that's and what I've been every saying time about you, no God thing. You come, you can make a person. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's, it's too wild. It's too ridiculous. Um, it's a trick. They tricked us. The mm. fucks. Yeah, so, uh, God so yeah. damn tricks. <laughs> so, um, look, man, I'm happy to hear that, you know, this is really yeah. working for you. Yeah, I'm still not, I think I'm still not, I'm um, hoping that I have maybe 30 more percent upside. Um, to go, yeah, more room. I think it, with the SSRI stuff, like once mm-hmm. that completely Exits. dissipates, yeah. Um, but I'm like, it's more enjoyable from the POV than it was. Would you recommend this 
to other people? Do you recommend yeah, this I mean, to other I, people? It's, I wouldn't, you know, re- recommending a medical treatment, it's, it's personal. But right. if you feel like, all I can tell you is I tried a bunch of shit. And it's and it's tr- the reason they do ketamine. There's another one called TMS, which is the the magnetic one. There's a guy in Chicago who does both at the same time. Jesus Christ, this guy's a madman. <laughs> the fuck's he trying to do? Make, um, make a Superman? And uh, he come out of it. You're so, psychic. Yeah. So uh, you're the doctor. Um, so you, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. There's a bunch of shit, and mm. it's like if you're just sick of it. I was just sick enough of it that I was like, I don't name the price. Mm. name the hardship because mm. there's nothing i'm just sick of it well you know kudos to you for keeping keep searching the, the, and the, the, TMS, the, the, trans, keep searching. the transcranial meta, uh, magnetic stimulation is covered by some insurance with magnets yes on your head yes and they don't know how it works but they got no. it and i was lobbyists. on a show the other night by the way it was a, like a science show science slash comedy show like there were panelists that were scientists panelists that were comics a woman on the panel um has she's involved in a magnet thing that increases people's sex drive forever fucking chicks <laughs> yeah <How> like <laughs> shoot magnets and you're way hornier and she, i was like who crazy. do you think who but i said i don't think men need it right because the the dudes fuck your life. So the, up. I, the idea is you give it to women. Yeah, like it's a Spanish fly in magnet Basically, form. Basically, yeah. So while your chick is asleep, you put a fucking you magnet fucking thing on her head. head you get jazz your magnets her up. out. Um, and there are people online that were saying they could make it at home. Not the not the sex one, but the transcranial one. But um, well, there's been all sorts of magnetic poles to ease depression. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What does it say? Non-invasive procedure to help fight depression calls transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS, uses magnetic pulse to stimulate brain cells that control mood. But they use that transcranial stimulation for a lot of different shit. Right. There was, there was uh, not magnetics, but electric. They, were, they had these electrodes that they were attaching to people's brains that helped them learn shit quicker. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of weird little hacks that you can use that help stimulate little areas of the brain. That they covered on Radio Lab. There was a Radio Lab episode about this woman who went through a sniper school test. You know, where uh, you're like, I heard that one. You see that one? Yeah, yeah. That one was amazing. Or yeah. listen to that one. That one was amazing because yeah. she did it and then she did it the second time. And she's like, everything was in slow motion. Yeah, and it feel, felt like it only took five minutes, and it was twenty minutes later. She basically ate a zone pill. Yeah, like exactly. I'm in the zone now. Yeah, so uh, it's amazing. Yeah. I love this. I love that there's so many people working on all these different ways to improve the way the brain functions, and they're kind of still in this infancy with it. They're fucking with yeah. it and adding pills and I'm grateful just for the shit they've done so far. It's like, fucking right. thank you. Even for the pills that didn't work, it's like, fucking at least you're trying. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm, I've never had a, a depression issue, I don't think. I mean, I think I might have when I was really young, but I don't have it. I definitely don't have it now. But I, I sympathize with it, and I know a lot of people who have had it, and I know a lot of people have had it, and they've come back, and they're much better. You know, Ari yeah. Shafir is one that I always point to. Ari was severely depressed at one point in time, and I, you know, and now he's just amazing. I mean, he's the happiest fucker I know. From shrooms, you think? Had had a lot to do with it. Success had a lot to do yeah. with it. Ari's like really successful now, yeah. and you know, he doesn't feel like he's on the outside anymore. He's yeah. not. He felt like I think for a while like that he wasn't being recognized. He was being recognized by us. You know, like all of our friends yeah. and like crowds would laugh at him, but the, the industry wasn't taking him seriously or he wasn't connecting yet. I had another brain thing over two days. I think it was earlier this week. Um, 
where one day I was like, fucking no one cares about you. And the next day, I like it was a professional gripe where I'm like, you feel like you don't get enough attention, all that shit. And then the next day, I had the same thought. And then it was followed by like, well, then fight. You know what I mean? Like, you gotta fight, fight it. Fight. Yeah, like, right. yeah, it was like, then fucking do something about it. Whereas right. the day before, I was just like, hopeless. Like, that's the thing is like, one of the depression things is like learned helplessness. Mm. Is a simp- They think that was one of the things that like, that was a behavioral thing mm-hmm. where it's like you have to, like when when mice couldn't, they when they realized they couldn't get out of a box, they just stopped trying. Mm. Uh, but then there were certain mice that they gave, I think a chemical too, that would keep, that would like just fight, 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 fight until they died. <laughs> but they, but that was the thing of like, okay, like I wasn't getting that a month ago. That learned victim mentality is it's that that's a, a a groove that's like carved in people and some people it's become so prominent yeah that they just automatically drop right into that and then they're a victim yeah and they search for that and then they they use they it look for, for arguments to, yeah. they also use it in arguments like they become a victim in the yeah. argument it's super common and it's it's so self defeating but so it's it's so a normal part of like really weak thinking yeah but. Having said that, a lot of some of weak thinking is as chemical a problem as mm-hmm. fucking diabetes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Exactly. And also, not everybody has the same exact fucking childhood and, and growing up uh, experiences. So your your formative experiences that you're having with it's shaping your personality, what giant percentage of them are completely out of your control? Yeah. And how arrogant is it to assume that everybody had the experiences that you had? So you've gotten through them. Yeah. Everybody else, Henry Rollins, needs to pull themselves up by yeah. their bootstraps and not fucking shoot themselves like Robin Williams. Yeah. That pussy. Fucking pussy. Yeah, I mean, that's the crazy. Well, that's, that's crazy like when talking. people say it's like a, a, a depression's like a strength thing. It's like, if you're talking mm. about mental fortitude, I've got a pretty good track record of like shit i've done and same with robin williams I'm talking mm-hmm. about fucking not easy yeah. what he's done fucking write however many hours of stand-up he stole uh <laughs> <laughs> no but to write a ton of stand-up to be that good an actor mm-hmm. to be just his recall was fucking amazing like he's mm-hmm. got a good brain so it, and he's not like a weak guy well, it's good at some things at least you know um, mark gordon who's a, a good friend of mine is a doctor uh he's an expert in traumatic brain injury and mm-hmm. recovery from traumatic brain injury yeah. and one of the things that he talked about he actually wrote a paper about this about people that have gone through um, very significant operations where they've been under anesthesia for long periods of time and had like open heart surgery that type of shit there's a large percentage of them that experience some pretty significant depression after it's over and they think it has to do with uh, hormonal imbalances that occur after these traumatic. Phys- I've heard that, phys- yeah, yeah. That because some, but some people have like a kind of. It seems like Letterman had the opposite. Like he had heart surgery and was like a new man. He was just appreciative and shit like that. Well, that's true too. You know, some people they go through these near le- near death experiences and it wakes them up. Yeah, like they realize, hey, asshole, this is almost over. Maybe yeah. it's time to be nice to people. Yeah. Maybe appreciate, smell the flowers. You're yeah. fucking David Letterman, dude. Yeah. Go out and hug some folks, you know? Yeah, that's, he started taking antidepressants. Did he really? Yeah, he's, it was on Alec Baldwin's podcast he talked about it. Like Alec Baldwin has a podcast? Alec Baldwin had, he had a podcast. I don't know if it came back. That guy's got golden pipes, first of all. So that's the a The way jo- he talks. A joy. Is that what you're saying? Jo- this is Alec Baldwin. 
Um, like it's a joy to listen to that podcast. Yeah. That's an easy hour right but there. But his ego, would keep, uh, yeah. But keep me fucking just distracted, fucking disqualified. It's like don't pay attention <laughs> to that part. You're listening to fucking Golden Boy. I'll take an ego with pipes like that. What if you were paparazzi? Would you hold a grudge? Yeah, I think that's ass? what made him. It was on a public radio station in New York, and they were like, "You can't be saying faggot and all that stuff." <laughs> like, sorry, man. Just can't say it. Can't do it. Um, but uh, but yeah. So he was talking about on on, on Alex Pot podcast and it was like he went on him shortly after that i think he had shingles too and he was just miserable mm. uh and they were like going in and he's like really and he said like it's i don't know what the analogy was but he's like it was just like it was like i had clumpy hair that i couldn't get a comb through and now i could get the comb through it or something i don't remember what the but something similar to that but he's kind of chubby and it doesn't look like he exercises and i bet he doesn't eat letterman right. No. Oh no, I'm talking about Letterman. Letterman. No, Baldwin. Letterman. Letterman talked about it on oh, Alex podcast. Alex Baldwin's yeah. not on de- antidepressants. No. He's Letterman on podcasts. Is. Oh, okay. Well, Letterman also. This is post open heart surgery. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. I'd heard stories about him where he was. You know, I'd hear stories where he wouldn't be happy with the monologue. Mm-hmm. He'd just be banging his head against the wall. Yeah, I heard that too. I heard that from my friend who's his assistant. Yeah, he fucking hated everything he did. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why he was the best. Yeah, it's just the way it is. Yeah, he would. Yeah, I, th- there's a th- there was a story in that uh, in that late night book, the late shift that I think it was in that book. But Peter LaSalle had a big house in Malibu. And Who's uh, Peter LaSalle? He was the e- exec producer of the Tonight Show and like an exec producer on Late Night with David Letterman. And then he became one on the new one too. But so he was sort of like Letterman's go between for Letterman for uh, for Johnny. And uh, he had a beautiful, and Letterman was like, man, I could never have a house like this. And he goes, you make 10 times the money I make. Like, you could totally, and he's like, really? Like, it just never occurred to him that things were good and he could do well. Huh. Oh, another thing, more, I'm more apt to cry now as well, in a good way. Not like, like I saw Inside Out and cried. Aww, <laughs> Which isn't like a, a good, movie. yeah, sweet. But, uh, but like... So you feel more? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So far. I'm happy for or you, Or you dude. get addicted and die. I think Either it's one. awesome. I'm happy for you. Yeah, I'm and, happy and for And I myself. appreciate you coming on here and talking about well, it. No, too. yeah, because it's fucking... Because the thing with therapy that it's very... First of all, people don't know it's very hard to find a good therapist. Like, people are too quick to go, like, yeah, they're fine. You got to shop around, which people don't realize. And with antidepressants, you got to shop around. And if none of them work, keep looking for other shit. Mm. Like, don't just go, I'm, I can't do it. Right. Um, so, so yeah. But uh, I look forward to the rest of my life, Joe. I look forward to hanging out with you, Neil Brennan. You're a bad yeah. motherfucker. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it, man. You too. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate yeah. you talking about this. Yeah. It takes a my lot pleasure. of courage. Oh, yeah. No problem. Neil motherfucking Brennan. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram. And website? You got a website? Uh, NeilBrennan.com. I, Neil I don't know Does what's it, going on there. Nothing it's happens, filled right? with like, raccoons Nobody and shit at this point. Nobody uses websites anymore. <laughs> websites are all like social media. Social yeah. media is taking... It's too effective. All right. Fuck all right, buddy. We'll be back. Uh, with podcast number 666 on Monday. And who's the guest? Duncan Trussell, of course. Pray Satan or Allah or whoever you like. All right. All right. Love you, fuckers. Uh, See you soon. Bye-bye. Big kiss. Okay, friends. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. And thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Go to ZipRecruiter.com forward slash Rogan, and you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Oh, shit. Thanks to Dollar Shave Club. 
Stop fucking around and going to the goddamn drugstore to buy razors, dummy. Go to dollarshaveclub.com forward slash Rogan and find out what you're missing out. Awesome fucking quality at a fraction of the cost that you would normally pay for it. dollarshaveclub.com forward slash Rogan. Thanks also to Onnit.com. That's O-N-N-I-T. Use the code word Rogan and you will save 10% off any and all supplements. All right, friends. We'll be back soon. Episode 666 is next. Ooh, it's going to be evil. Duncan Trussell is joining me. And we're going to get crazy. All right. I love you people. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.